The following program is intended for mature audiences. Warmest aloha, sir. Hey, Holly. Hi. Holly to you, too. He's so Holly, he doesn't even know he's Holly. I'm tempted to say menehune. Like Hawaiian leprechauns. <laughs> or chipmunks or something. What's wrong with that turtle? He has lung problems because he smoked too much turtle weed, which is bad for you, right, Ola? Hawaii has a big future. I, I, I want to become a part of it. I know every angel these islands. I'm like a good tourist guy. What we're about to say. See, we're on a mission. Trying to find a way. If you and me make a guarantee.
in and welcome to Living the Aloha Life, podcasting Pono in the 808. I'm the poor man. And I am Dr. Aloha. And we just came into Manao Company from their new album and song, Welcome to My Island Home. Uh, although this week's podcast is about uh, Hawaiian mythology, we'll be dedicating the songs in the podcast today. Here we go again to the passing of the lead singer of Manao Company, Kaulana Pakele, and founding member of the group, Irukai, along with some Hawaiian chants. The chants we're going to be doing today is going to be based around mythology, talking about Akua and some of the gods and like Kapu and Mana and things like that. And these chants are often written for the gods too. For the gods, absolutely. So what we're going to do is in between sections of what we're talking about, we're going to be throwing some little short chants in there so you guys kind of have a feeling and understanding of the mythology of Hawaiine. Pretty cool. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the songs you hear today will be dedicated to Kaulana because um, ugh, we lost so another sad. one. We lost it's another so one. Tragic. Yeah, do you so, want to talk about this one for a minute? Because this one is different. It's yeah. Um, well, before we actually do, I'd like to highly recommend that, once again, the music of Hawaiian musicians download it. Uh, one of their best albums is the 20-year collection of the Manao Company on iTunes and Amazon. And uh, that's where you can find it. You can find it in other areas, too. But please download this album and support his family and group at this time. Uh, I can't count the incredible songs over the last 20 years in the collection. That's amazing. I have that one downloaded. It's really good. It's good, right? Yeah, Yeah. This is another devastating loss for Hawaii for the second time in the last two weeks. It's uh, it's really, with everything that's going on today, it's hard to fathom that now we've lost two great Hawaiian musicians. Just tragic. I know, I know. Pakele was surfing at Makaha uh, this week and got in trouble in the water. He was rescued, but he passed away. It looks like it was from drowning, uh, drowning related. There's nothing to confirm that it was heart related. So it looks like he had just drowned. He was only 47 years old. So let's go ahead and have a moment of silence for him, please, which we didn't do to last week for Willie K. So maybe we'll oh. extend it another 30 seconds. Okay. This is horrible. I know. Hi, right, moment of silence, please. Okay. Jeez. This, this has been tough last couple of weeks. Yeah. And it this, went, I yeah. mean, this one especially, like, just so random. And It was sudden. He was, yeah, he was rescued, but he was unresponsive by the time they got to him. And I never heard any updates about the story. So no. No, it's because between the COVID and yeah. the crap that's going on on the mainland, it kind of vanished. And we only heard that it looks to be from drowning, and we haven't heard another update. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a real sad thing. And he had just posted a video. Oh, yeah. Uh, the day before he passed away about taking care of the islands, taking care of the Aina, cleaning the beaches, not leaving your trash everywhere because that last weekend was Memorial, Memorial Day, weekend. Day. Yeah, and everybody left, you know, those, we had some big problems here. We did. With trash on beaches and there was some partying going on, no social distancing, which is kind of unusual here, but it, honest to God truth, it wasn't mostly local people. It was mostly military personnel. Right. So that was a huge problem here. And now the military is investigating. So hopefully they can clean everything up. But, you know, he was really upset that there was people destroying their his home. Yeah, it's like parties of 200 people. Yeah, and they yeah, just crazy. trashed the beach. Yeah, it's a damn shame. So, okay, so we're going to go ahead and do COVID-19 updates and concerns. We said that we will only post stuff when um, we get new information or there's something to talk about. So for a quick update, 
First thing I want to say and be very serious about it is be careful where you get your travel information from. You know, many people want to come back to Hawaii or planning to come back to Hawaii. But, you know, many of these people that put out information have their own financial interest ahead of their, uh, uh, really ahead of your health. And agenda. Yeah, they so have they an agenda. they don't care if, yeah. like, you get here and you literally can't do anything. Can't do anything, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they have their own financial interest ahead of your health and ability to enjoy your vacation. So there are many restrictions if you choose to get on a plane and come to Hawaii still today and pro possibly for the rest of the summer. So don't have your trip ruined by listening to inaccurate podcasts or travel businesses because they're out for themselves. So be very careful. Uh, I think we put out the best information when it's concerning Hawaii. I recently so. read a really great blog about this. Did you? Was it my blog? It was. <laughs> Check it out, guys. Yeah, guys, check it out at hawaiijeepandspecialitours.com. You can go to our blog and check out uh, how we feel and when we feel you guys should be able to come to Hawaii. It's been really helpful uh, for a lot of people, and they've been spreading it and sharing it, so it's a good blog. So uh, for the time being, it looks like we'll be doing testing for COVID-19 before you get on your plane and after you land in Hawaii. And the thing is, is if you refuse the test for the virus... Even if the 14-day quarantine, uh, 14 quarantine has been lifted, that refusal of the test will reinstate your 14-day quarantine. So if you had a two-week vacation planned in Hawaii, yeah. it's all gone. You've just lost it. So unfortunately, until tests or what, I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know how long people are going to be tested coming to Hawaii. Yeah, I don't know. And as of right now, I mean, the 14-day quarantine was extended till the end of June, and it's probably going to be extended even further. Yeah. So it's yeah. not going away anytime soon, even as our cases here are lowering. Our state is just very afraid of, um, you know, tourism. Yeah. So bringing in right. more cases. The thing right now is Hawaii is a very safe place. Yeah. Okay. But we don't want to make it an unsafe place by having all these tourists come. So right now, the only thing they're doing is looking at opening Hawaii to inter, huh? Oh, inter-island. Inter-island. Uh, I think they, they want to open inter-island June 15th. So you won't have to quarantine if you go island to island. Obviously, this is going to be for mostly locals. Opening up local tourism and local travel once again starting in June 15th as far as we know. Right. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but that's the kind of date that the lieutenant governor is looking at. It's just the governor is just an idiot. So he just can't get off his ass, and he doesn't know what the hell to do. He's just been a complete failure here in Hawaii. So, how do you really feel? Uh, I hate the guy. I know you do. That's how I feel. Uh, <laughs> so we don't know what the hell's going on with that anymore. So uh, now from insider information of state workers and hotel managers that we know, Hawaii appears to be primed to open 100% locally for the 4th of July weekend. Uh, now there's going to be this pilot program for COVID-19 airport testing and improved uh, and it's uh, the approval with FAA, CDC, and the federal government will be a six to nine week program that will last until August 2020. Uh, by these time frames, all necessary precautions should be in place to open tourism to Hawaii in September 2020. More than likely, as we were saying, with the testing. If you get on a plane starting September, you're going to have to take a test. If you don't take a test, you're going to have to go into 14 day quarantine. That's right. the way, yeah, that's just the way it's going to be. So take the test, and then we don't know if you're also going to have to take a test when you get off the plane. We don't know because we're thinking you might have to because some people will not choose to take the test. Now you've taken a test, but the person on the plane has not taken a test, oh. and he has to go into 14-day quarantine or she 
But he might have spread he his might have spread germs it on the plane else. to everybody. Yeah. So you still have to get tested when you get off the plane. It's a disaster. I don't know how this is going to work, but we'll see how it works. Yeah. I don't know. So September 2020, this is not confirmed, but uh, from those on the ground, we have the tentative date of September. So we're just going to go with that. So September, you guys can more than likely return to Hawaii. We're not sure. Nothing's been you know written in stone yet, but that's what we're looking at. Uh, however, Hawaii has no intentions on becoming complacent with the COVID-19 as the state has done a phenomenal job in curtailing the virus in our state, making it virtually empty to tourism today, which it is. It's crazy. The state will be on the lookout for any signs of a second wave. If a second wave was to steamroll the mainland between the months of September through December 2020, Hawaii could shut down all over again. Or it could even be after the holidays. Could be in the, in the next 14 days. With all the crap that's that going on in the mainland true. right now. That is true. So um, now uh, friend and patron Tiffany mentioned something, and we've heard it locally here, uh, that this this is another thing that could come in between all this stuff that we're talking about, is talking about the possibility of a travel bubble. Now a travel bubble would be t- between Hawaii and Japan, and then Hawaii, Japan, Australia, and New Zealand to restart tourism because those countries have zero to none, pretty much low covid Right, so, so yeah, I that makes sense. That'd be great, I think. But it makes a lot of sense. It's a good way to get back into start, tourism. Yeah. But um, so I think it was Hawaii, Australia, and New Zealand, and then Hawaii and Japan. I don't know if Japan was involved in the other. I'm not talking about Ho- okay. Australia and Japan. No. Gotcha. Yeah, nothing about that. I mean, if they want to go ahead and do those things, maybe that's a good idea too. Maybe everybody will get together and that will restart tourism. But yeah, I think right now it's starting with Hawaii, Japan, and then we're going to open up to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, I don't know. That's not. That's one of the things that's. No one's confirming. It's not confirmed, I'm but there's been you, I mean, mention of this it. Is, yeah. yeah, and this is as close as we can get because we've talked to people in the resort businesses. But the thing is, is like I, I, we've done a good job curtailing this problem, but we do not have any solid information. <laughs> like we don't have something right. like from the politicians to tell us because they're really they're fighting amongst themselves or they're telling each other different stories. I don't know what the fuck's going on. So, yeah, so this came from patron Tiffany, who lives in Australia. She right. was the first to hear about it, shared it with us. And then I think it was the next day that we Mayor Caldwell announced it on a press conference. Yeah, with Japan and then with the other countries. Yeah, so... So we'll see. More than likely, that's when we'll have some better information when we find out that this bubble has been created, travel will start, and then it's only a matter of time before the mainland U.S., Canada, and all in other countries can start opening. But we just don't know where COVID is going right now right still pretty bad over in the east coast yeah so that gets us to the next thing um so amanda and i are not gonna act like we're in uh, a bubble we're in hawaii we know what's going on considering what's happening on the mainland so how exactly are we going to get in into this and discuss really we can't Let's ignore it. Even though we want to make a positive Hawaii podcast, and we will, we're just going to take a couple of minutes to discuss because we have to. It's you know, it's consuming all of us because you can't turn a blind eye to what's happening right now. Yeah, and I, I just you know, I, I think we both want to mention that you know the unfortunate killing of uh, George Floyd and actually all those who had their lives sh- cut short before him. Yeah, absolutely. That you know there was protest out there, there was things going on, but nothing whatsoever compared to this because it was so obvious on all political sides that this was a murder yeah 
And the other ones, you know, people could say, oh, well, this happened or that happened or this happened. And we're not sure. Ooh, you know, it was stand your ground and all these other different things that happened in these other uh, killings. But this one was pretty obvious. This was, there was no like, argument. There was no argument. No one's sitting here. And then once that happened. The world lost it. Well, the country lost it, I should say. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, let's just be upfront with everybody. You know, and I think everyone needs to come to an awakening and say what happened to Floyd was wrong. That's it. I mean, yeah. what happened to this man? Well, people want justice. People want justice, but what happened to him? Once we first, well, the first thing we have to do in any type of event like this is acknowledge that this man, yes, acknowledge the mistake. Yes, this was wrong. What happened to this man? He was killed. He was killed by someone who's there to protect the public. Now, the other sad thing about it is that this is not the first and this is not the last time this is going to happen. More black men will die. What is going to happen now once we actually get through this? What's going to happen when the next black man is killed? Is this what we're going to have to deal with now every time? Just like this virus. Every time a virus comes, are we going to hide in the, hide in the house? So what is going on here? Well, maybe cops who have so many prior convictions against them already shouldn't remain cops. We can totally talk about that. He had 18 priors, and I believe two of them was connected to shootings. So obviously he had a bad record, and someone has to take responsibility and it's going to have to be the not only the police department but the state yeah, i don't know obviously something needs to change because our country is burning like you said and it's devastating these riots are devastating i mean i watched the video of philadelphia center city burning that was my old stomping grounds i used to spend every weekend in center city with friends and i mean just watching it across the country it's yeah it's breaking my heart all of it's horrible just all of it you have peaceful protesters, you have rioters, thugs, Antifa, and white supremacists, anarchists. Like, what is going on? It's like, how do you control this? This is this is absolutely defeated the purpose of peaceful protesting. And now we have all these groups that are out for themselves to cause chaos. And it's destroying the purpose of what this was all about. Right. Well, King exactly. believed in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and you have all, and I've watched the videos. You have these black people trying to stop white people from destroying buildings. That's Antifa. You know, that's a that's like a anarchist group that is out there pretending they're supporting Black Lives Matter and all this stuff, but they're destroying things to cause chaos. And the black people are trying to get the white people from destroying things. It's, it's the most bizarre fucking shit I've ever seen in my life. And then you have, yes, black people are doing it too. But it comes to a point where people are just so... You know, I've said it before. When you lose everything, you lose it. Yeah. And although that's not an excuse, and no, of course you shouldn't be doing this, because we're seeing businesses burn. Not only have these businesses been shut down from COVID-19, they've been burned and destroyed now, and have the, do they even have insurance? They're, this is all this. We are never going to hear, six months to a year from now, of all the fucking suicides. I know. And all the more crime that's going to be caused from all these people who had small businesses that were good tax-paying Americans that have had their lives destroyed because of all this. And this cannot happen. But what do you do now that it's gotten to this point? Uh, do, you, do you do martial law, something that we've all dreaded all our lives? That's like the apocalypse, the revolution of the United States. I don't think you can. You can never do martial law because then that feeds into all those conspiracy stories and videos online. And then you're like, oh, see, there it is. Here we go. It's the end of the world. It's martial law. We can't do anything now. They already put pretty much martial law on us by staying in for the virus. Now this is their second move 
you know, they've created these riots and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you can go off in this big story. We don't want to give the conspiracy theorists <laughs> all this stuff to feed off of. So we got to be careful for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So let's talk about what's happening in Hawaii because of this. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say I, the country needs to watch Hawaii and take notes. Absolutely. Though. Because Hawaii has been impervious Yeah. in the sense that we've been very peaceful here. We've had a few little demonstrations. It's been very peaceful. We have this, protesting, but... Yeah, but it's, but it's, it's we don't peaceful. Have, we don't have riots here. We don't have riots. Just like when we have ho- protesting for Hawaiians and Hawaiians' rights. Right. They're very peaceful. They're, they're all about, you know, aloha. And when you go to these little protests and rallies, sometimes they're really big, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a mixture of everybody. It's all different races. It is. And uh, although it's mostly Hawaiians, it's all different races, and everybody gets along and everybody understands why they're why the Hawaiians are doing this. This is the melting pot, man. Learn from this. <laughs> I know we have some underlining racism because of Hawaiians and what the United States had done to it. And that's an- another quick thing I want to get into. It does exist here. Yeah, it does it, exist. It definitely does, more so in some areas than others. But regardless, it's just so much more peaceful here. It's so much more peaceful. And... I think what is sad and what gets lost in all of this is Native Americans and Native Hawaiians. That gets lost because African Americans have been brought were brought here. We I don't want to go into the story about slavery and all this other shit, but they were brought here. I can't believe you're doing this. Yes, they were brought here, but Native Americans and Native Hawaiians had had their lands wiped out. They were slaughtered. I know. And I think when you have a conversation about African Americans, you need to have the conversation about Native Americans and Native Hawaiians. I think all three need to be talked about. Of be- course. Because they, I don't think people, you never hear about the Native Americans on their, like the homestead for the Hawaiians, the reservations. No, Thanks for helping true. me out there. Thanks I'm, for helping I'm me out thinking. There. <laughs> <laughs> I'm processing and thinking about everything you're saying. I'm not focusing on your words. Sorry. Oh, okay. But I guess what I'm thinking is like, I mean, yeah. That's totally true, but at the same time, do you think it's because they're not getting pulled over and shot right now? I um, mean, that's what it comes down to. This just no, happened. I think there's a thing built in racism. Racism is based on the fact that Africans were brought here to be slaves for, you know, for, the, for America. And America just came here and just wiped out the Native Americans and then came to Hawaii and pretty much wiped out the Native Hawaiians. Right, it's very different. It's very different. It's, it's actually much worse. What happened to the Native Americans? What happened to the Native Hawaiians? Honest to God. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah, that's your opinion. I mean, I don't but you think, don't think you can, so? I'm not saying that. How do you I'm, feel about it? I'm not... What's the difference between the three? I'm not going to get into politics <laughs> because I think that's very personal and yeah. people have their own very strong opinions and I don't... I'm not about upsetting people on the well, sometimes public podcast. A, it's, it, yeah, it is a public podcast. Well, you have to have a conversation about We're what We're having happened. a conversation about it, but... I'm just saying... Pay more attention. If you're going to pay attention to Black Lives Matter, pay attention to Native Americans' Lives Matter. They're dying in huge amounts. Even on reservations, they are dying. Dying of uh, alcoholism, dying of drugs. They, They live some of the poorest lives ever. They've given the most shittiest land in the United States. I totally agree with you. I just think it's very different. And I don't like, I don't know if I like the idea of comparing this to what just happened. Black lives are killed publicly. Native American lives and Native Hawaiian killed lives behind are killed scenes. behind it's the true. scenes every day. It's true. And I'm not going to deny that in any way. But I just think 
I don't know if this is the time and place to be no. comparing them is all. No, but I'm just saying that I want everyone to be or acknowledge that we have a problem. We, we do have, have a, a we problem. Have a, we have a problem it's a huge with, problem. With, with, with racism. I don't think people just don't, people don't, and racism can be toward Native Americans, Native Hawaiians too. Of course. And just acknowledge it. Acknowledge what's going on today. That it needs to stop across the board, just not with black lives, but with Native American lives and Native Hawaiian lives. I can agree. I totally. We live in Hawaii. We see what happens here. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, so just just acknowledge that that we do have a problem, an underlying problem in the United States of using others and taking over other people's land. Just 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 say yes, that happened, Mm -hmm. and then you're good. Yes, then you can move on with your life and try to make things better and change. You're definitely right about that. I mean, nobody speaks about Native Americans and Native Hawaiians and no, what happened. It's th- just like a hush-hush thing. That's true. Because I think, honest to God, the United States is embarrassed of what, ha- what has happened. Well, it should be. <laughs> they should be. We built our country on eradication and slavery. Yeah. That's, that's really the found. That's the foundation of the United States. Believe it or not, and I don't think it's talked about enough because I think they're embarrassed that that's what happened. Right, it's kind of like put to the background. So that's all we want to talk about. We're we're both very upset. I'm a little more outspoken than you are because you don't want to rile any feathers. No, I mean I have very strong opinions, but I'm more about keeping them to myself. I know, I know. But let's go positive. Yeah, and we have something very positive because we have a guest in the studio. So let's go ahead and let's hear from our <laughs> guest. <laughs> we have Baby Yoda with us. Hey, Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So cute. So you had got, you know how much, well, we both love uh, the child yes. from The Mandalorian. And um, you surprised me with that. It was so awesome. You now did. Yoda will be in the podcast studio every day. <laughs> so you guys, I bought Wade a baby Yoda just because I knew, I don't know, everybody needs a little, you know, yeah. pick me up right now. Yeah, I know. But here's the thing. I ordered it back in February at the start of this COVID and yeah. it is like, you know, June 1st and it just came. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's adorable guys, but it really, it really, forever. I mean, listen, let's just, before we even continue and start talking about patrons and stuff, you've had a hard week. I've had a hard week because I've watched a lot more of the news than you have. Yeah. And I am so super depressed. I feel like and every just getting night. through this podcast has been very, I'm just w- w- trying to psych myself up and letting you know, and, and, and really both of us psyching ourselves up to do this podcast has been difficult. We're talking about Hawaiian mythology. And I'm in in the in the world's burning. Yeah, this has been. It's hard. It's hard to focus. It's true. Do you guys know how hard this is? I mean, how do we have a positive attitude about anything right now? It's so hard. So yeah, no, it's really hard. And Yoda saved the day. (laughs) That's my point. Is that Yoda came into our lives and saved the day and saved it. So it's good that Yoda took three months to come. (laughs) It's okay because Yoda, baby Yoda, came at the perfect time. It's just like what a godsend. He's just looking at me and going. I was like, she can't be happier than that. Oh, my God. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you welcome. for bringing you into our lives. <laughs> okay, let's get going. We're never going to get to this. Oh, no. Because this is going to be a super long show. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a super long show. Just a so. warning. Okay, so um, we want to thank, especially during these crazy, destructive times, we want to thank 
and put out a big Mahalo Nui Loa to patrons Liz, Megan, and Mark for their continued support. And they've all increased their patronage. Mahalo. During this time, thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate it. And um, we just got a new patron, Angie. So it's really, really good time right now. Yeah, patron-wise. Thank patron you, guys. Wise. We I mean, appreciate it. It means a world. I mean, it's a, it's amazing that these guys, you know, we're all going through this stuff, and these people are stepping up and, and uh, supporting the show. It's Absolutely. been amazing. It's been really amazing. Uh, the other thing is the continued amazing five-star reviews we're getting. Uh, mahalo, everyone, for your continued uh, support. We now have uh, 54 reviews. So if you haven't left a great review on iTunes or our Facebook page, please do so. Uh, that way we'll be found by way more people. It's one of the most important things you guys can do to help the podcast. When we ask them, how'd you find us, this and that, they said, oh, you know, we found you on iTunes. Mm -hmm. We read the amazing reviews. We want to become a patron and get more content. And it's been really helpful. And people have been finding us by you who are patrons and who have listened to the show and have written us reviews. So if you haven't written a review, please write a positive review on iTunes or on our Facebook page because Facebook... And on iTunes, it's showing up when you do a Google search. And Facebook mm -hmm. is very important, <coughs> too. We have 1,500 people now on Facebook, and it's, it's growing all the time. That's so, it's, awesome. it's yeah, it's been really been great. But even if you're not a patron, if you listen to all the free ones, you can still leave us a review and yeah. consider joining us. That would be great, too. Yeah, that would be great. Exactly. <laughs> so, we're going to go ahead, and we're going to go get into emails. Uh, we have a lot of emails uh, this week. So, we don't usually do this, but... These are some good emails that just came in. Please continue to either send comments, write messages, or even... Voicemail. Voicemail. Yeah. Voicemail. We have a voicemail ability. It's like a minute and a half you can leave. And then if you go longer than the minute and a half, go ahead and leave another one for another minute and a half. <laughs> so you have three minutes, whatever. Do it's we totally have any voicemails this week? We don't have any voicemails uh, this week. Okay. No, we were supposed to from Mark. That's Mark what I was, was wondering. Yeah, didn't <laughs> Mark, happen. Mark, drop the ball. <laughs> I know. He told, he told us he was going to leave a message, but it didn't happen. So. Okay. Um, so you want to go ahead and do some messages? Sure. Yeah, we like to share these just because it kind of helps with that feeling of, you know, connection. community, connection, family between all yeah, of us. So. Yeah. All right. This one's from Matt Parker. How's it, Wade and Amanda? Thank you both so much for continuing the podcast. I know it can't be easy at this time. Wade, I've told you in the past how much your podcasts have meant to me and how they've kept my spirits up during some trying times like now. I also wanted to tell you how sorry I am to hear about your tour business. I can only hope that once we're back to some type of normal, your business will bounce back. As far as taxing the podcast goes, if it comes down to having to pay the taxes, do not offset my account with your own money. I'd be glad to pay the taxes in order to continue to receive your podcasts. Is there a way to send my support to you via PayPal, if that's a better option for both you and Amanda? Shoots for now. Both of you stay safe. P.S. Please do a show on your plans for the tiny community, tiny house community on Big Island. This is one of my dreams. Mahalo, Matt. Okay, well, we did that. Did he not know? Or? We totally, we'll see a lot of people, a lot of patrons are a little behind on listening to the podcast. I was going to say, but he so is a patron, yeah. He's totally a patron, yeah, and okay. uh, actually all these emails from patrons. So, Matt, I think I discussed with him in a private email that go back and listen to that podcast from okay. three, three or four weeks ago. And so a You'll lot of people... find it, Matt. Yeah, because, it, you know, a lot of people are backed up. It, 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 two things. One, they're just backed up with life. 
Two, oh, of course. Two, they've signed on in the last like six months or maybe a year, and they have to go back and listen to like 50 podcasts. And a lot of so times. So they have to catch up. Yes, yeah, true. And a lot of times, if you are not logged in, because it does log you out every once in a while, I, like every you don't, week. You don't actually see the patron only podcast. You have to be logged in to see them. So you might yeah. not even realize you're missing you're them. You're signed out. That you're yeah, signed out. Yeah, so exactly. just that's something to check, guys. But, um, this was, you know, a really important podcast for us, especially for you. Yeah. And once you do listen to it, if you have any questions or comments, please share because we've been waiting. He's been getting a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. I have been. I have been on building this Big Island community. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, so the whole thing about this thing that uh, Matt's talking about, and we actually have other emails here that talk about it, is Patreon, and I think most places online, uh, depending on what state you're from, they want to start taxing you. Right. I'm like, you're getting taxed to listen to a podcast? It's, it's like you're listening to something. You're not actually getting, a, is it considered a service? Is it considered like a... You're not buying something. You're not, yeah, it's not like, yeah. So it's like, how can they do this? So I did my best uh, as of June 1st, which is what, like today? Today. Or the, yeah. Um, they're going to put out an email telling everybody that, you know, they're going to start taxing. And uh, But I talked to them and I set it up in the back in the back end to hopefully get rid of almost all taxes to you guys so hopefully this will be taken care of but i've also emailed out to all of you that if it doesn't change and you were to get taxed to let me know and i'll see what i can do but in the background i made it set up so it's not a service it's good so hopefully you won't be taxed for it because each state's different i think it's right now because of covid19 and all these other things that are going on this is a way for them to purge to purge more money from you that you don't yeah, have already. I know. It's insane. It is insane. So let's just come together and, and do the best we can. And But that uh, is tricky if every state's different. <laughs> it is. But I appreciate you saying don't take the you know, don't take the money out of your own pocket. Yeah. So I appreciate very that. Kind. Thank you. All right, next one from Larry Camp. Aloha, Wade and Amanda. First off my perspective, if they tax my monthly contribution, whatever. I just hope it doesn't take any money out of your pocket. So for me, no worries. Second, the passing of Willie Kay hit me hard, harder than I would have thought. I think it's because he was so talented as a musician. Willie could shred on the guitar and ukulele, and what a voice, second only to is. Perhaps Willie's passing hit me hard because I felt a personal connection that I didn't get to have with is. One great thing about folks like Willie and Iz, who are now gone, is that we have their music. When I hear Willie, it takes me back to the many Monday nights spent at Hapa's in Kihei and Wednesday evenings spent at Mulligan's in Wailea. Awesome entertainer. I hope this pandemic is brought under control before much longer as it's changed the world for pretty much every person. Yeah, yeah, cleaner skies and oceans, which is awesome, but at the expense of people being able to live meaningful, productive lives. The people of the world need physical contact. They need to be able to sit and play games, drink a beer, and visit the places they love. I truly do hope that your businesses will bounce back, but for that to happen, visitors need to safely return. Probably going to take a vaccine before people will feel completely comfortable around each other again. Not even sure they will then. Okay, heads up. Keep moving forward. Imua. Love and aloha, Larry. Yeah, I don't even uh, know if tourism will ever return to the way Hawaii it had been in the past. And I, just, I, I know. I think they're going to change. If you read my blog, I think they're going to completely change the way they bring people into Hawaii and where the tourism is going to be. So go back, read that blog, and realize they're going to do different things. Hawaii is going to change permanently. And because of this, 
and they have to prepare themselves if something like this was to happen again so it doesn't devastate Hawaii again and that means f- not focusing on tourism for 75% of their income. Yeah. So if they do that, that means I believe tourism is going to get more expensive unless people are going to come to Hawaii. But the ones who come to Hawaii that unfortunately have more money are going to spend more money. Right. So read the blog <laughs> and you'll see what we're talking about. We're not talking about Hawaii wants to keep a poor, poor vacation. That's the way I would word it. A cheaper vacation. <laughs> yeah, I know. A cheaper vacation here. But they they want people who are going to come to Hawaii that are going to spend more money and spend money on, you know, nonprofits here to sustain Hawaii's tourism industry for the future mm-hmm. with a lesser footprint. This is what's going to change. What's happening right now is what's going to change Hawaii's tourism forever. So it's going to be different. So not as many people are going to be coming to Hawaii, I believe. Yeah, that's So, yeah, so we're going to lose permanently more people, but they will bring more money. I don't know who the hell has money today, nobody. honestly. <laughs> so if nobody has money, I don't know where this tourism is going to come from. I don't know. <laughs> Let's <laughs> move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the next email is from Jacob Timmerman. Dear Wade and Amanda, I want to tell you how much I love and appreciate both of you and share what a blessing that the podcast has been for me in the past year, especially in the last week. On May 13th, my mom suffered a stroke and eventually passed away and transitioned to the next part of her journey on the 15th. My mom was only 60, and there was no indications or health issues that would cause this to happen. She had even celebrated five years cancer-free back in April. Needless to say, I, along with my family, was a wreck. My mom and I were very close, so losing her was devastating to me. After her passing... I had to pick up some things from her house. When I got to her house, I collapsed to the floor and started sobbing. I was overwhelmed by everything I was feeling and how painful it was. While I was crying, my mind started to wander, and I began to think about the spirituality in Hawaii episode. I started thinking about how loss is part of life, and that by rejecting our pain, we are creating more suffering. In that moment, I made the choice that I would allow my pain to be present with me, so that I could truly open my heart and appreciate how wonderful and special my mom was to me. On top of that, the Comfort Foods episode had dropped that same week, and it called to mind some of the wonderful dishes that I love when I'm in Hawaii. It might seem small, but it was very encouraging and made me smile at a time when I really needed smile. I'm so grateful for the comfort and healing that the podcast gave to me at a critical moment in my life. Thank you, Wade and Amanda, for being there for me at a time when I needed the aloha spirit the most. I can never say thank you enough. To my podcast, Ohana, take the time to call your mom or that person in your life who is your mother figure right now and tell them how much you love them. Don't leave anything unsaid. Don't leave any hurts or bitterness unresolved. Leave no room for doubt or questions. Say it all. Spill your guts out. Because the only time you truly have is right now. Aloha, Jake Timmerman. That just brought me mm. to tears. Jake, I am so sorry. That was I am so sorry beautifully too. written. Yeah, I it's, responded to Jake. And uh, this is uh, just probably one of the... Most moving emails yeah. we've ever received, for sure. I mean, definitely makes know. me think I gotta call my mom. <laughs> well, that's what he's saying. He's saying, "Don't put that I gotta off. Call my Don't mom. put that off." And he's uh, so right. I know. It's it's amazing that um, we're a part of his family. I know. You know, and that I think a lot of people enjoy listening, and 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 we're able to 
take people away. So we're not going to talk about any more no. crap that's going on in the world. We're going to get into <laughs> Positive. Hawaiian mythology, and it's going to be a great podcast. But we needed to get those things and let everybody know what's going on and how we feel personally about some things. But uh, but thank you, Jake, for letting us in and letting us touch you, Jake, thank you. so much. That Jake, thank you. really means the world. Yeah. Okay. Okay, you ready? <laughs> you ready to go to Robert? Robert Pinkley. Hey, <laughs> <Hi>, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Wade. Dude, I got your Patreon message. So during all that's going on with the virus, the government, who says they want to help small business <laughs> people, has found a way to tax those supporting you guys. Crazy stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, Rob. Is this under a new bill that was passed, or is this... is this State government. Oh, sorry. It is. Both. State government. It's state government. That's who's doing it. Yeah, personal, your own state. You live in Texas, uh, Robert, so um, you probably won't get infected. I don't <laughs> oh, think. Right. I don't think. I don't think affected. Yeah, I don't think there's taxes over there. So I'd like to know where this came from. I'm one of those people with too much time in my hands <laughs> and likes to email congressmen and women or call their offices and leave messages during the night while I'm driving. I was so bored, I decided to film out and apply to the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders as a goof and got my rejection letter Monday. <laughs> you know, I saw this. I, you know, I was, follow, I follow him on Facebook mm. and I saw this and I didn't know if it, like, I was so confused what was going I thought on. I was joking around. That is so funny. Jesus. <laughs> I'm framing that rejection letter. Ha-ha. <laughs> Hang in there, brother. You and Amanda, keep your chins up. What you guys do to bring my home culture and entertainment to myself and other is a lifeline I need each week. You ever need to talk, I'm up all night, every night, 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. I don't know how you do it, Robert. Central time. So basically, all evening your time. Trust me, I think of you guys each day. I hurt for my island and people, while at the same time, happy for the Ina and nature, getting a break from the people who do not have the love of the land like we do. I know most people there are enjoying no tourism, but unfortunately, it's a tourism that supports the islands financially. This government has got to get their shit straight. Yep. They need to stop taxing everyone out of Hawaii, and the corruption is out of hand. It's a shame, and I don't have the answers. I just know there's a problem. I could go on, but it just upsets me. Hang tough, brother. This too shall pass. Love that guy on some of his rants. Much love, my brother, Robert Pinkley. <laughs> so Robert definitely knows everything that's going on here and yeah, he's in, he's in, and yeah, he's woke. He's in the now. He is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to another email and then we'll one get moving. One more to go, one more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, this one's from Mark O'Brien. Wait and Amanda, I increased my patronage a month ago. Thank I, you. Yeah, thank you. I love your podcast and wish it could be more... Oh, we have had to put off our annual trip to Kauai until things recover. You keep me in touch with that feeling of aloha and do dig how real you keep the podcast. Nothing is all peaches and cream, not even paradise. Well, yeah. isn't that the truth? True. <laughs> stay healthy, stay cool, and I'm sending you both positive vibes. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, so that sucks that he, you know, missed Kauai. Oh, no. And um, so we'll have to see what happens with that. But uh, it's looking like he should be able to book anytime after September, hopefully. I'm hoping, yeah. And I'm still, you know, I had a lot of plans all summer coming up to, you know, through summer and up already that I've missed many of you guys. You were supposed, to, a lot of you guys were supposed to come out here and already be on tours with me. I know it. So our, it's just, it's, it's a bummer, but we're going to get there. We're going to get back to it and you guys will be out again. So stay positive. So what we're going to do is going to take a short, small break and then we'll be right back. And uh, we're also going to do 
a uh, little chant on the back end. Awesome. And uh, we'll be back. We'll finally get into Hawaiian mythology. All right. Finally. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back. Hey, how's it? And welcome to the Aloha Life podcast. You're listening to us because we have great patrons who have joined our Patreon page and have become members of the podcast by supporting and donating to our show. Without our patrons like you, we wouldn't be on the air. So if you enjoy the podcast and want to hear more shows every week, please do take a moment to join us and become a patron of our podcast at patreon.com forward slash living the Aloha Life. And thank you so much for your support. Oh, <laughs> We're going to now talk about Hawaiian mythology. Uh, We just came into a short chant. We're not going to talk about every single chant we do. It's going to be a damn long podcast. (laughs) That that chant was about Akua. So that's a good little short little um, chant. So, all right. Okay. So Hawaiians use the term ka'a'o to describe a fictional story. Mo'olelo is a term for a narrative about a historical figure, one that is supposed to follow historical events. So the reason I mention this is that it's important to understand and respect that the stories of the gods that are going to be discussed here are considered mo'olelo. They're not considered to be fiction. Right. The Hawaiians worship nature gods. The legends being talked about today correspond with the Hawaiian view of the relationship between nature and man. All right. Now, we are not <laughs> experts on speaking Hawaiian. No. <laughs> okay. So we are going to do our best. <laughs> it is very early in the morning on top of that fact. <laughs> and uh, we usually do the show early in the morning, usually. Lately but, we have been. Yeah, yeah. But um, so please be forgiving. <laughs> but we are going to do our best. We, we know how to say most Hawaiian words pretty well. <laughs> but, um, you know, we'll, we don't want to. All right, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now the first story we're going to get into is the story of Haloa, which is the creation of the Kanaka Maoli people. The name Haloa tells the story of connection between all Hawaiians, a story of connection between people and nature. As Hawaiians, we are one with Haloa. We are one with Kalo, which is Taro, Waikea, Father Sky, and Papa Hanu Moku, or is it Hanau Moku, Mother Earth, creator of our beloved island chain home, had a beautiful daughter named Ho'o Hoku Lanai, whose name means the making of stars in the heavens. Waikea and Ho'o Hoku Lanai together conceived a child, and the family waited patiently for the birth. However, this child was stillborn. This child, a son, was named Haloa. Haloa means long breath, eternal breath. The kapuna, the elders whispered, the child looks like a root. So the family wrapped Haloa in kapa, placed him in a basket of woven lauhala, and buried him in the aina. Jeez. Good job. That's a lot of Hawaiian stuff going on. <laughs> that was. Ho'ohoku Lanai grieved the loss of her child, wailing and chanting, crying and mourning, and watering the grave with her own tears. 
In time, a plant grew from the gravesite. This unknown plant was fragile and tender, but also strong and healthy, far-reaching and long. Lao Kappa Lili, tremble leaf. Lao Kappa Lala, broad leaf. The stems were slender, and when the wind blew, they swayed and bent as through paying homage. Their heart-shaped leaves shivering gracefully, as in hula. In the center of each leaf, water gathered, like a mother's teardrop. This plant grew well, and when the mother plant matured, it produced what is called a oha. This oha, when removed from the mother plant, was then planted, and another mother plant started its life cycle. The word ohana, family, comes from the word oha, and describes the human family as kalo plants with offspring. Today, OHA represents the Office of Hawaiian Affairs, which is an organization and place to support and defend the Hawaiian culture and native people. Ho'ohokulanai, conceived again in this time, gave birth to another son, also called Haloa, after the first son. This second Haloa was lovely, handsome, and healthy in every way. Haloa Naka was the first son. He became the first Kalo and the respected sibling and elder brother of the second Haloa, who became the first Hawaiian Kalo Taro. Of course, is the traditional principal food of the Hawaiian people that once pounded becomes poi, poi meaning to pound. A primal sacred family connection ties Hawaiians to the universe, to nature, and to the land and sea. Nature is where it all begins for Hawaiians. In fact, Hawaiians call themselves Keki o Kaaina, children of the land, also referred to as Kama'aina. The Aina has a much higher significance for Hawaiians, much more than just land, soil, or sand. People in nature are siblings born to the same parents at the start of time. The word Aina, land, literally means that which feeds, and Maka'ainaina, the term of common people, means eyes of the land. Thus, nature feeds us, and in return we must watch over nature. The land gives us everything we need, food, clothing, housing, musical instruments, canoes, everything we craft, wear, and eat comes from the plants, animals, fish, and minerals. We are dependent on nature. Revere and respect her. E malama pono ai kaaina. Take care of the earth, for life depends on people, nature, in spirit living, in harmony with each other. Lo Kahi. Connection to Haloa is spiritually binding. If at any time there is no Kalo or Poi for one's tables, the spirit of Haloa will vanish and die. If that happens, Hawaiians too will die. As a spiritual people, Hawaiians believe all things are created with mana, spiritual energy, power, and grace. Without spirit, we were all nothing. Whether whispered or shouted, the name Haloa tells the story of connection between Hawaii and its people, and a connection between the people and the Aina. Hawaiians are one with the Haloa. They are one with the Kalo. Forever this will be. Man. That's quite a story. You have, listen, you have to be careful when you tell these stories. You have to be very precise. Yeah. And it's not easy. And I just don't want to screw it up. Yeah, you don't, don't want to We don't want to screw any of these historical Native Hawaiian stories up. 
So these are deep, and this is their belief system. But it's actually really fascinating to listen to. It is. It's absolutely fascinating, except when you're actually saying it, <laughs> and you just don't want to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the truth. It is true. <laughs> so I, I hope I did a. I hope I did justice to the story of Aloha, which is the base. Right. Of all creation it's for the Hawaiian a, people. It is the like foundation. The, the most important story. It's the most it's yeah. the beginning of everything for the Hawaiian people. It's like the first chapter of the Bible. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's true. All right. So we're going to get into what now? What are we doing? Amakuas. Amakuas, the spirit gods. Which are family gods or guardians. Right. Some of my right. favorite. Here we go. A traditional Hawaiian saying tells us that in Amakua is Ano Wani, Ano Hanua. This means that an Amakua is a being of both heavenly and an earthly nature. An Amakua is an ancestor that has died and has come back in a different form. The role of the Amakua is that of a guardian. The Amakua helps in times of trouble and gives inspiration or strength in times of need. Amakua have their ways of supporting their relatives, and Amakua usually helps, inspires, guides, and communicates with members of the family. These guardian spirits display miraculous powers appearing in dreams to give warning or advice, or assuming the shape of an animal, plant, or a form, such as a cloud or an ocean wave. Hmm. Maybe because of their fearsome nature, sharks are a very common Amakua that you're gonna hear a lot of stories about. Yeah. Um, so I do have one example, mm -hmm. and this is coming from Kahu Charles Kaluvehi <laughs> Maxwell Senior, who I know. Sorry, I butchered your name. Mm -hmm. um, who is a consultant to the Maui Ocean Center, and I was just doing some research. I came across this example, and I thought it was a good way to understand um, how an amakua can guard or protect. So he told a story about a tour boat that sank off of Molokai in the 1930s. Sharks swarmed and all the tourists were attacked and killed. The captain of the boat, however, started to chant. His amakua appeared, offered his dorsal fin and carried the captain to shore. Even in modern times, things like this happen. People try to explain, but you can't. A lot of culture just can't really be explained. The mono. The mana, yeah. The mano is the uh, Amakua shark. Oh, the shark. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. So just to um, elaborate a little bit, this does not mean that every owl or shark is an Amakua. Mm -hmm. And even if a shark is your Amakua, not every shark is going to be gracious to you. So be careful. <laughs> no. Just don't trust every shark you see and think it's going to pull you to shore. Mm -hmm. Amakua are identified very specifically by body markings and they're named. They're part of your family if it's your Amakua. There's a direct connection, a blood relationship. Yeah, can I, I'm sorry, can I just yeah, interrupt you for one second? About the mono shock, just a couple of quick notes. When you see the Hawaiian people and their tattoos, most of the tattoos on their chests, their faces, their arms, you'll see a triangle. Many people don't recognize what that actually means or what that is. You'll actually see triangles going down a Hawaiian's face, or you'll see half his chest cover in triangles. Each one of those triangles is the mano's teeth. It is the, oh, it is the, uh, the shark shark's teeth. teeth. So you know. So when you take on the um, tattoo of the mano, which is probably that particular Hawaiian's amakua, you take on the power of the shark. The same way later on when we talk about Maui, all the tattoos on Maui, they you know Maui can become those things from his tattoos. So the Hawaiians also do that as well. 
So that's a very interesting story. Mm. Another interesting story that I heard from a friend of mine is what he does is when he goes spear fishing, his amakua is the mano shark. What he does is the first fish he catches while he's in the water, he will take it and he will throw it into the distance to give it to his amakua, the shark. And then from that point on, once the mano takes the first fish that he gives, kind of like in a sacrificial way, mm-hmm. the mano, his amakua, will protect him from the other sharks. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about feeding your amakua in a little oh, bit. Oh, awesome. That's okay. cool. That's a great example. Okay, cool. Perfect. All right, great. Sorry. That's okay. No, it's right a good on. example. Uh, so Amakua link Hawaiians to Po, which is the realm of the gods and ancestors. Po is a great darkness, the force that creates a Hawaiian universe. Um, and we're going to talk about Po a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Amakua is a relative, so the connection between humans and gods is very personal and compassionate. The first Amakua were thought to be offspring of mortals who had mated with the Akua, which are mm. the primary gods. Regardless, it was the Amakua that commoners could call on in an easy, less ritualistic way. It was believed that Amakua were often ancestors whose bones had been stripped of flesh after death, wrapped in kapa, ceremonially. It could be kapa. It could be kapa. It could be kapa. Yeah, that's interesting. And ceremonially prepared before the bones were placed in the custody of another descendant. When an individual died, it was thought the spirit of that person jumped from a rocky cliff, taking a soul's leap, there's a spot designated on each island to begin its journey to the ancestral homeland. And so that would be like um, the west side, right? right? That was uh, a spiritual jumping point Kaina over point. a Kaina point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, every, so island every island has one. Mm-hmm. Cool. In a shadowy place called Po, the ancestor spirits lived with the supreme gods and were transfigured into god spirits whose mana or power was almost as awesome as that of the Akua. Mm. The spirit of a deceased ancestor first might serve as an uni hippie lee, mm. a deity who granted requests for mercy and gave warnings of pending disasters or destruction. The individual who safeguarded the bones of the uni hippie lee could summon him for guidance. If the uni hippie lee was deserving, he would then become an amakua. Awesome. The relationship between humans and Amakua is reciprocal. That's to say there is an exchange between the two, where something is given or owed to each other. Care and feeding of your Amakua is an essential part of the symbiotic relationship. For example, the Amakua shark would drive off all bad sharks and carry its mortal family members to safety, but in return, family members were responsible for scraping the barnacles off the shark's back and making sure it was well. Feeding your amakua can be done through prayer and offerings of sacrifices called kalmaha'ai. Many different things are offered to the amakua. It could be pigs, chicken, fish, <laughs> and young kalo leaves. Hmm. Ava is known as the best of all offerings. Mm, yummy. Humans are to ho'omana and hanai which means to worship and to feed the Amakua and to behave in a way that will not anger the Amakua. Mm, like often for the Honu, which is the uh, turtle, the Amakua of the turtle, uh, same thing would go with the uh, Honu, where if that was your Amakua and you saw them under the water and their shell was very dusty and dirty, that you would go up to the shell and you would clean the shell. Oh. And you would also, if you had a little knife, you would remove the barnacles. Oh, you do? From, okay. From the, but we do not. No, no, no. Because, you know, 
Hawaiians. Hawaiians. Yeah, Hawaiians, yeah. it's their culture. They will take care and clean. They will also watch the turtles when they come to shore to make sure no, right, they're protected. Protect no one touches mm-hmm. them and no one gets near them. No one casts a shadow upon them. And uh, we can talk about that later on. But that's cool. That's w- any, anything where it has to do with the ali'i, which is the royal families, the chiefs, and anything they protect, like let's say the honu, you can't cast your shadow on them because you take the mana away and you would probably be put to death. Wow. <laughs> which is so crazy. I know, I know. Which is crazy. But so it was important. To that them. was part of the kapu system, which we're going to get into later. In a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that's really cool. Have you ever witnessed any of this before? Yeah, I have. So I've witnessed, um, I've witnessed the whole turtle thing, where it's you know like the the, the people, you know Hawaiians would be on the beach, and it would be their amakua, and they would be protecting it making sure no one gets too close to it or things like that and uh, there's been a lot of videos and and uh, photos that I've witnessed of them cleaning their amakua in the water feeding them limu yeah. like you oftentimes you'll see the Hawaiians with their children feeding their amakua which is the honu right they're the only ones that are supposed to be right. doing that <laughs> um, you know but if you feel the, the pr- thing with the amakua is you know can people other than Hawaiians have amakuas like I will say the honu is my amakua but do I have the right to do that right I don't know I don't know either. Right? You feel you feel like I you're feel embedded in the culture enough, yes. but and you've been here for so long, but you're not Hawaiian you, blood. So right. I don't know. Usually, it's based on your family ancestors and heritage, and and where does that go, and who is their amakua? So, if, well, it's the shark, the owl, or the uh, the turtle, or whatever it may be. You ask your family relatives, and they say, "Oh, it's been the honu. Mm-hmm. There, that's our family members." Then you continue that tradition. That's cool. So, but for us. I would love to have an Amakua, but I don't know if I can. Right. <laughs> but if you were so, able to, I'd probably you, be the turtle. I'd probably be the turtle. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go through a list of um, different Amakua. Awesome. We have the Honu Sea Turtle. Yes. Mo'o, Gecko, Lizard, or Dragon. The Mo'o, which is the, yeah, w- exactly. And the Mo'o um, is very protective. So when you have geckos in the house and there's poo everywhere, you don't want to kill them because if they got poo-poo, then they're protecting your house. They're protecting your house from bugs, from just evil spirits and things like that. So the mo'o, the gecko, you we, want in your house. We consider them pets here in Hawaii. We consider them pets. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're your friends. So you don't want to get rid of them out of the house and you don't want to kill them or anything like that. So they're protected. Pueo, which is the owl. Mano, which is a shark. Alala is the crow. Eo, a hawk. Ele, payo. These are tough. You I know. Do, I'm I mean, not sure uh, you, how you, you I'm doing. You got a, a, a tough list here. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, which is the monarch flycatcher. Yeah. Also the goddess of canoe makers. Damn. E.E.V. is a honey creeper whose feathers were used extensively in feather work. Those are beautiful birds and they're uh, becoming, you know, so few. Alaiula. This is... I don't even know what this is. It's a it's a marsh bird. Hawaiian... Marsh bird. Okay. Oh, Hawaiian galenule. Yeah. Okay, so it's a marsh bird whose cry was considered a bad omen. Huh. We have Hei, which is octopus. Yes, and obviously it's also called taco. taco. I think that's the pigeon version. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Hei. Want to talk about Hei real quick, about Hei and why Hei Valley? Oh, right. One of my favorite hikes, waterfall hikes, yeah. Hei. So every valley has a name, and, and when you break it down to amakuas and things like that, Hei is the octopus. But the valley of Waihe'e has a bunch of waterfalls, and it's always wet because it's uh, fresh springs that come out of the bottom of the island. And that valley is known as the uh, as the Valley of the Octopus. And that's why the waterfall is always All running. All the time. It's that's always. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Puhi is an eel. 
Eli Lee Eli E. Damn, <laughs> that's I don't a mouse. think I could say that. I don't even know that was. I don't. Why would they go that long for a mouse? That's yeah. Damn. But then listen to this. It's just Eli for rat. <laughs> that's what? easier. What? <laughs> Elio dog. Pe lua. Um, there's a whole bunch of. You words. know the dog. The dog. Do you know that the amakua of the dog was the protector of um, Kapena Falls? Because oh, it was, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. The, the Yamakua of the dog was a protector of Kapena Falls uh, on the way up to the Pali. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right, this one has a bunch of different words. I'll just give them my best try. Pe-e-lua, or Enehu-e, or Nuhe, or Anuhe, or Poco. It yeah. all means caterpillar. Caterpillar. That's a lot of words for caterpillar. Man, I have so many for caterpillar. <laughs> I haven't even seen many caterpillars. Pillars here yeah, ever. I know, I know. Yeah, there's a few. I know there is, but well, because I've seen butterflies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously butterflies. Yeah, but I've never actually seen. And supposedly they're very beautiful and gorgeous caterpillars. Oh, that's I cool. I just haven't. I've been unlucky in, in being able to find any. Pohaku, which is a rock. That's interesting. Pohaku, so a rock could yes. be your amakua. It could be an amakua, yeah, because I think it's because those rocks are used in the building of heiaus and ahus. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's a spiritual energy and mana behind them. Oh boy, how do you say cloud? Uh-oh. It's A-O. A O. Is it A O? A O? Yeah. Yeah. Cloud. That's tough. Yeah, I'm not sure how to say that. See, we're not we're not the best at we're saying not. All Sorry, these guys. things. We're doing our best. <laughs> at least we own it. <laughs> I mean, Amanda's going to be taking a well, possibly, possibly. Yeah. So this is really quick. This is crazy, but um, you have to have all your vaccinations now to go back to school. Well, I think is you that have true? Is that always normal? Let us know, guys. I don't you, even know if that's true anymore. It's been true for a long time. Okay, so so I um, working. For you want to take a Hawaiian? Working for the Department of Education, they're offering to all employees um, in Hawaii that were able to take a free Hawaiian language class, which is incredible. Yes. And there's this one offered in the fall that's online, so it's I could do it after work in my own time, and I want to do it so badly, and it'd be fully paid for. You need but all your vaccinations. I need my vaccination records, and I can't, I'm struggling to get hold of yeah, them. Yeah, because. You're in Hawaii. You're not back home. Well, not only that, but I mean, you get them when you're like an infant. And mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. childhood doctor retired 20 years ago, and I just I don't I don't know where the copy is. I must have lost it in the move. Well, I hope you can take that class. Me too. I'm okay. really excited. All we'll right. see. But okay. anyway, back yeah, to okay. Amakua. Back to, back to Amakua. We have one more, and okay. it's um, Maya Kanu, which is plant. Okay, right on. So I'm a little confused because I thought that um, a dolphin could be one. No. Um, and I also, you would think also that the monk seal would be one because right. they've been here forever. So I wonder if this I list is incomplete. I got and the list may be incomplete because you got to, I mean, look at, you have the whale, you yeah, have the, the humpback whale, whale. Yeah. you have the dolphin, you have the, uh, Hawaiian monk seal. They're all pretty much, they've all been here as long as the Hawaiians have been in Hawaii. So they should be all Amakuas. Hmm. So maybe we'll have to do a little extra research on that. But yes, they should be. Okay. So we'll go from there on that one. That wraps it up for Amakua, though. Okay. Unless you have anything else to no. add. That's kind of all I have. Okay. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to go take a uh, quick break. It's going to be a chant break. And then we're going to come back and talk about uh, the kapu, which is a system of laws for the Hawaiians. And we're also going to talk about ho'oponopono. Mm-hmm. which is a cultural practice of reconciliation and forgiveness. All right. So we'll go ahead and listen to that chant, and we'll be right back. All right. Aihea 
Kamana Hawaii. Where is the Hawaiian mother? Ike kua hiwi, ike kua lono, ike kula, ike kahakai. Kuu ika mana. Ika wau maukele, ika wau akua, ika wau kanaka. Kuu ika mana. Ika wai ola, ika wai puna, ika wai holo, ika wai lele. Kuu ika mana. Ina kai e walu, ke kai luna, ke kai lalo. Kuu ika mana. Ika makani olu olu, ika makani ikaika. Kuu ika mana. Ika ua liili, ika ua loa, ka ua awa, ka ua hanai. Kuu ika mana. Ika aina hoolina, ka aina hanau, ka aina kupono. Kuu ika mana. Iha wa inui a ke awe. Kuu ika mana. Ima winui a kama. Kuu ika mana. Ika hola wea kana loa. Kuu ika mana. Ila na ia ka ulula au. I moloka inui ahina. Kuu ika mana. I oahua lua. Kuu ika mana. I kawa i o mano. Kuu ika mana. I ni hawa kahelelani. Kuu ika mana. I na moku manu ana kupuna. Kuu ika mana. I kama na o. Ekai. Ekai kai ka. Ekai. Kala. Ekai. Kama na li. Kama na lo. Kama na lani. Kama na kanaka. Kuu ika mana hawa inei. The mana of all of Hawaii rises up. All right, we are back. And now we're going to get into something that not many people know about outside Hawaii, and that is the system of kapu. The system of kapu, kapu for instance, you'll see on many signs in Hawaii, uh, some hiking trails, some private properties, things like that, you'll see it'll just say kapu. Kapu means forbidden, or it could mean sacred, and we're going to get into that too, but that's many of the things, that's some of the first things you see in Hawaii is the word kapu. The heiaus too, yeah. A lot of the heiaus sometimes will say kapu, which is uh, sacred, or do not go within the heiau. Mm -hmm. It's kapu to do that. So it refers to the ancient Hawaiian code of conduct of laws and regulations. The kapu system was used in lifestyle, gender roles, politics, and religion. The kapu was connected to government power and the religious power. Breaking one, even unintentionally, usually meant death. That's crazy. Yeah, it wasn't like, um, here, we get to go to trial, and you uh, you know, have a jury, <laughs> and I was like, oh, you broke the oop, see you later. <laughs> so, yep, you're done. Yeah, so it was pretty pretty rigid. So uh, the Hawaiian word kapu is translated to in English as forbidden, as we said, and it also means sacred. The kapu system was the religious law system that ruled over almost every act of Hawaiian life. It included thousands of rules which identified what people could and could not do. The kapu system was based on beliefs about mana, spiritual power. Mana, the Hawaiians believed that anything associated with the gods had mana in it. They believed that the kapu rules were made by the gods and interpreted by the ali'i and the kahuna, who were also required to observe the kapu. The ali'i were descendants of the gods and as a result had much mana. There were strict kapus placed on all the personal items of the ali'i. No one was allowed to touch the clothing or anything else that the ali'i had touched except for the kau kau ali'i, which were the lesser chiefs, who were assigned to the care of the ali'i's belongings and personal items. 
A loss of mana would occur if anyone of lesser rank would come in contact with the Ali'i's personal items. Now, that also goes with, let's say, we were talking about Amakua's. Mm -hmm. If the Ali'i, the head chief, the royal family, uh, had a, um, you know, let's say a Honu. Let's say they that was their Amakua. Right. And you were a commoner and you went to the beach and cast your shadow upon the Honu. You would be killed because you've taken away the uh, Ali'i's or the chief's power from his Amakua. Can you imagine? This is why we have a five five to six feet uh to stay away from the honu because ah. it because it was based originally on the removal of the mana of the honu so when you cast your shadow as a commoner upon it so if the sun's on you if your shadow is on him then you're pulling mana away from the honu so and that's a huge fine still to this day yeah so that although today the rules are it's further feet i think it's like eight feet now I, you have I to was stay. gonna say yeah so i think yeah. it's eight feet but in all reality the kapu rule was just stay far enough away that you don't cast your shadow on them so i stick to those rules that's so interesting yeah i stick to the kapu so if you were to cast your shadow then or you were to cast your shadow even on the chief when you bowed or kneeled or anything to the chief your shat, you had to watch where the sun was. Because wow. if your shadow touched the chief, you pulled mana from You'd him. You'd be killed? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's so scary. It is scary. So there is, there were types of kapu. They were kapu about nearly everything in Hawaiian life. For example, when fishers or fishermen were uh, lashing their hooks, everyone in the community had to be quiet. Other kapu uh, did not allow women to eat certain foods certain ways to build a house, a canoe, or heiau also were uh, different kapus. Decisions on birth and death ceremonies were a kapu and many other activities. Everything was run by different kapus, which is crazy. The penalty for breaking kapu. Penalties were severe for breaking kapu. The law officer, Ila Muku, hunted down kapu breakers and saw to it that they were put to death by strangulation, clubbing, stoning, burning, or drowning. Wow. <laughs> take your pick. Take your pick. Um, which would be the best in that? Wow. What would you take? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> no, I can't pick. I want a good clubbing. <laughs> Maybe drowning would be oh the least painful. <laughs> so there are depictions of the clubbing, and there are actually pictures of it. Oh, no. Where you're on like a, like you're almost like you're on a uh, tree. The tree has been cut down. You're on like the mango tree. Uh, and they hold you down. There's one warrior on every side that holds down your arms, one to hold down your legs, and your head is right off the end of the tree, so it's hanging over. Oh they God. club your head. It literally <gasps> takes your head off. It literally clubs you until you, it breaks your neck and cuts oh your head off. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable, the depictions of how they show they did it. It's just absolutely horrible. Now, don't they have heiaus that were devoted to the sacrifice? Or no, the sacrifices. That's I different. I think it's called That's Luakini. Different. I think it's called Luakini. And, uh, you know, let's say, for instance, a lupo heio over in uh, Kailua. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, so it was once, it was built by the Manahuni, which were the little people of Hawaii from the uh, Marquesian Islands below us. They were the first Hawaiian people. We're going to talk about that next week. And um, the Tahitians came and then took it over, imprisoned the Manahuni, and then they turned the Lupo hail, which was once an agricultural hail of crops and everything, they turned it into a, I think it's a Lucchini, I think that's what it's called, I might have got that name wrong, but it um, it was used to worship uh, Kamapuaa, which was the pig god. 
And we'll talk about him And we'll him talk next about week. him later. We're going to talk about him a little bit about today when we get into the Pele story, but we're also going to talk about mostly him just next week. Mostly yeah. next week. We're going to talk about him, but they worshipped uh, Kamapua'a. Um, and uh, it became more of a sacrificial heiau. So that's, yeah, that's different than people breaking kapu. Yes. Yes, it is. It's it's completely different. It's like a worshipping thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's completely different. But yeah, so if you broke kapu, that's what would happen. You get no trial, no probation, no compassion, right? <laughs> Oh my <laughs> what God. kind of compassion is that? Often, uh, guilty kapu breakers caused their own death. Like they took their own lives? Yeah, before before they got a hold of them. Yeah. Wow, I don't they, blame them. Yeah, they knew that the gods were tremendously powerful, and this affected their thinking, and that they knew that they are going to get it anyway, so they might as well take their own lives. Wow. So there's a lot of suicide. <laughs> I actually can't blame them. If I knew somebody's going to club my head off, like I may also... Uh, what are you going <laughs> to well, I mean, do? You, you would probably, I guess, maybe jump off a cliff or something? I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. The, the, the laws were so strict. Um, places of safety from Kapu. There was one place of safety to keep the Kapu system from being overly demanding, which was the Pu'u Honua, place of refuge and forgiveness, which was established in each Moku district. If a Kapu breaker was able to reach the Pu'u Honua ahead of those seeking to kill him or her, the kahuna would then provide shelter, protection, and forgiveness for the lawbreaker. The kapu breaker could then the re-enter. Com- re-enter the community in safety. Oh, that was a little weird. <laughs> uh, the gods would have been satisfied through the prayer and rituals of the kahuna. Hmm. Very interesting. So this is crazy. It so is. Laie Point oh, was yeah. a place of refuge. It was a pu'u honua. And there are many places around the island that were like that. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting story. The ultimate purpose of the Kapu system. Now, this is the interesting part. The Kapu system was put in place not only as a foundation of religious regulations to keep Hawaiian culture intact, but for the sustainability of Hawaii and its people. However, there was also a darker purpose behind the Kapu. Like most regulatory systems, Kapu was put in place for control to help the Alihi and Kahuna keep their power over all the people. The people believed that breaking the kapu would bring the anger of the gods on themselves in the community. They made every effort to follow the kapu set down by the Ali'i and Kahuna. So you can see it was political. Yeah, it was all sure. political. It was to keep the Ali'i, the royal chiefs and the royal families and the Kahunas in power which were the kind of shamans and lawyers for the chiefs. I bet they never had any riots back then. (laughs) Right? Right. I don't think they ever, right, I don't think they ever had, you know, they didn't have riots. (laughs) No, because they'd all be killed. Exactly. (laughs) And on top of that, they truly believed that the Ali'i were from the gods. So the Ali'i were like demigods, they were like part god. Right. And often, it would only be the Ali'i and the chief that would live on top of the Heiau, because at the top of the Heiau is higher to the gods. So oh, yeah, so that's the interesting. Com- I didn't know that. Yeah, so the commoners could not go to the top of the hayout. Right, okay. They had to stay below it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so the different types of kapu. Kapuhili. Most famous law was the Kapuhili restrictions, a law involving the contact with chiefs. But these now this is interesting too, the contact with chiefs. This pretty much ensured the fact that no one could assassinate a chief. Oh, I see. No one could sneak up on him. There you go. Uh, so if anyone got too close, They'd be killed anyways. <laughs> so they could never get close enough to kill a chief anyways. <laughs> but these also applied to the people of known spiritual power. Kapuku manao means prohibited from a place of the chief. 
Kapu Noho was to assemble before the chief. You weren't allowed to come in contact with the chief's hair or fingernail clippings. <laughs> you couldn't look directly at him. And when you were in the sight of him, you could not be a head higher than his. So that would mean that if you were taller than him, you had to probably nail to him or bow to him because you could not be higher than him, even though he was shorter than you. <laughs> so strict. Man, talk about restrictions. I know. You could not wear red and yellow feathers was not allowed. Now, this is more than likely not allowed because the dress, the robes of the Ali'i and the chiefs were of red and yellow feathers. Oh, okay. So only they could wear those unless an individual was of higher rank. There you go. That explains it. Okay. Places that were uh, you couldn't go were often shown by Pahu Kapu, two cross staffs with a white ball on top. Now, this is interesting. It's usually when you see two crosses like this. If you see two crosses, you don't go there. That's Kapu. Now, obviously today they have the sign that says Kapu, but, but in those right. days, if you saw anything. Now, I don't know if you remember, but um, Kayona Beach, you know the secret place we go? Do you remember there was two tikis? There was two tiki uh, uh, torches there before. They were crossed, which oh. meant you don't. Did you remember like a while ago when it was there? It's not. They're not no, there anymore. I, d- I don't think I ever saw Okay. Them. Well, uh, not only like maybe a year ago or a little bit more, there was two tikis that were crossed. It was it was kapu to go down that pathway. Really? Yeah. The probably the people in the area didn't want you doing that, but they're gone now. Huh. They've only disappeared in the last year. Okay. So, yes, anytime you see two things crossed over to each other, like two sticks or anything, it literally means not to go there. If you go to the hay house today, that is still, you know, they've been, you know, rebuilt and everything, you'll see the top of the hay house, there'll be two sticks crossing each other, which says don't go onto the top of the hay house. Interesting. So That's good see, to know. Yes, it is good to know, especially if you're coming here and you're vacationing and you want to check something out, but you see two sticks or two bamboo sticks or anything like that crossed each other in a cross shape. Like an X shape, an X mm-hmm. shape. You're going to see it in an X shape. Don't don't go past that. Mm. You, you may be in trouble. Good and thing. you're breaking law against the gods, so bad don't shit can come wanna, your way. Yeah, break no. kapu. Yeah. Uh, I kapu was the kapu system law over contact between men and women. Many elite obtained their power through this system and then would give thanks to the gods of politics. Ku, let's say. I means eat and kapu means sacred. This law is based on a legend about the sky god, Waikea, wanting to sleep with his daughter, Ho'ohoku Lanai. The law was made so he could go see her without his wife being suspicious. This law, (laughs) see the way they created laws for themselves? But you couldn't do it. The commoner couldn't do it, but (laughs) the chiefs could do whatever the hell they wanted. The law was made so he could uh, go see her. Obviously, I said that was suspicion. The law stated that men and women could not eat together. Some foods were illegal for women to eat. Pork, bananas, taro, coconuts. Man, women didn't get to eat wow. all the good stuff. Women didn't get to eat the good stuff. Coconuts. Women also couldn't eat some f- certain types of fish. So that sucks too. Jesus, men got, women got screwed. Yeah. See, when the men make the rules, <laughs> right. they can really... <laughs> it's kind of the way religion is today. All men made religions. If you think about that, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Aloha Aina was also a kapu. Kapu restrictions were used to regulate Hawaiian fishing in order to maintain the long-term sustainability of ocean life 
in the 1700s and 1800s. Some fish and designated areas were forbidden during times when overfishing could damage the environment. This relates to modern day because we have hunting season, which gives the animals a chance to repopulate, just like fish. We need time for the fish to repopulate, so you can't hunt them or eat them at certain times of the year. Now, this part of Kapu is great, right? Because it creates right. sustainability and regulations, but see what they do? It's funny. If you look back at the Hawaiian way they did things, it's very much in a twisted way the way politics are done today. It kind of is. They turn the laws to benefit the politicians. Yeah, some of it makes so much sense, and it's, then they twist it. And, yeah. and so the elite created the laws to benefit themselves and keep the commoners in control which is the american people the way politicians do it's amazing how the government works isn't it it's interesting yeah so okay so examples of kapu the men and women had to eat separately the food for the men and women had to be cooked in separate emus underground ovens wow i didn't know that a wife was forbidden to enter the eating house of her husband while he was eating women were forbidden to eat certain foods, which we said, pork, banana, coconut, and fish, certain fish. Mm -hmm. A commoner would be put to death if his shadow fell on an Ali'i chief house or anything that belonged to the Ali'i. When an Ali'i of high standing ate, the people around him had to kneel. What the hell? (laughs) Can you imagine? Offerings of pig, coconut, red fish, kumu, and ava were sacrificed to the gods before a tree was cut down to make a canoe. In time of war, the first two men killed in battle were offered to the sacrifice to the gods, which was the god of Ku, which was um, the god of war. The Opelu fishers would gather at their special heiau in the evening to spend the night together to worship their god of fishing before they went out to fishing the next day. During the summer months of um, Kau, the Aku fish was kapu and could not be eaten. Okay, that must be uh, because during the summer months, probably that's when they were rebuilding their population, so you mm-hmm. couldn't take of them. Kamehameha I put a strict kapu on the cutting down of um, ili'ahi trees, oh, sandalwood, to make sure its supply would not run out. Mm. Right, so Kamehameha did that. He put a kapu on the trees. I think they had it. They couldn't be cut down until they were at least 100 years old. Yeah, that's good. That was broken by his sons. The oh. later the later on uh, Kamehameha's, I think the second and the third, and that was a bad idea because now we have so few I little know, sandalwood. I know. It's I mean, it's an amazing it's so wood. It's expensive now. Super expensive. I know. You know, we were talking about the um, Young Living oil. Essential oil. Essential sandalwood. It's like sandalwood's $150? $200? I think it's, yeah, $150 or $200 it's crazy. for a tiny little bottle. And that's Hawaiian sandalwood. It's just so expensive to yeah. get it because you have to let the tree age over 100 years. And really, the best way to do it is to is actually when the tree starts to die over 100 years old that's right. when you know how to cut it but you, you don't have completely healthy sandalwood trees over 100 years old even those are like kapu like you don't want to cut them down unless they start to show some form of of dying so um okay so now we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into ho'oponopono are you ready to do this let's do it all right all right so ho'oponopono it's used in spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical healing practices. So this is actually pretty cool. I only recently learned about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a few weeks ago, I, I stumbled across it, and I had no idea about this. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. All right, here we go. The Hawaiian word translates into English simply as correction. 
And mm-hmm. that's kind of what it is. So early Hawaiian historians believe that illness was caused by breaking kapu, which you just talked mm-hmm. about, or spiritual laws, and that the illness could not be cured until the sufferer completed ho'oponopono, often with the assistance of a praying priest, kahuna pule, or healing priest, kahuna lapa'au. Forgiveness was sought from the gods or from the person who the dispute was with. There's a few different versions of how this works, and Mm -hmm. I'll kind of go through um, all of them. In many Polynesian cultures, it's believed that a person's errors, called hara or hala, caused illness. Mm. Some believe errors angered the gods. Others think that it attracts malevolent gods, whereas even others believe that the guilt caused by error made people sick. Hmm. So there's just different beliefs out there. Um, And I think it differed a little bit depending where in Polynesia you were in. Many believe that the sins of the father will fall upon the children. So if a child is sick, the parents must have been arguing or doing something wrong. (laughs) It was believed that in addition to sickness, the family disorder could cause sterility of land or other disasters. Hmm. But here's the thing. Harmony was able to be restored, but only through Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono is often explained as a practice of extended family members meeting to make right broken family relations. Mm. So some families would meet daily or weekly even just to prevent problems from happening. Others would meet when a person became sick, believing that the illness was caused by the stress, anger, or guilt, or accusations, or lack of forgiveness, or something from the Mm, dispute. Interesting. They believed that the healing could only come from complete forgiveness of the whole entire family. So everybody had to be on board, no grudges. Hmm. The process begins with prayer, and this is just one version. So the process begins with prayer. A statement of the problem is made and the misconduct discussed. Family members are expected to work problems out and cooperate with each other, not holding grudges, not holding on to their anger. See? See how it is in Hawaii? I know, it's so peaceful. This is, this is still peaceful, and this is the way it is still done today, while on the mainland, look at Riots. I mean, let's sit down and have a conversation. I actually added a statement about it's, that at the end of this, because it's so oh, true. Yeah, it yeah, really is. Yeah. One or more periods of silence may be taken for reflection. Everyone's feelings are acknowledged. Then, confession uh, and forgiveness can take place. Mm. Everyone releases, called kala, into each other, which means letting go. Mm-hmm. They cut off the past, oki, and together they close the event with a ceremonial feast called pani, which often included eating limu kala or kala seaweed, mm. symbolic of the release. Wow. In some families, the completion of ho'oponopono might be represented by giving the person forgiven a lei made from the fruit of the hala tree. Ah. Now, here's a different version. Differently, others have understood Ho'oponopono to be a mantra where one repeats the words, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you, Mm. as a form of mental and spiritual cleansing that could be compared to the Buddhist techniques for clearing karma. Mm. It's a forgiveness and reconciliation practice cleansing of errors of thought, again, thought to be the origin of problems and sickness in the physical world. 
So even though there's different versions, they're all similar. They kind of all come yeah, down this to... Yeah, this very much sounds... It does sound Buddhist-like because it's kind of living within the moment and clearing your way of the letting past. Letting go. That's what the and whole entire yeah. name, it means like letting go or correcting. Correcting yeah. mistakes and moving on from them. Exactly. Very good. I like this. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. I, I can't believe I hadn't heard about this yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I just kind of added a sentence at the end, like you said, like Ho'oponopono could be valuable far beyond Hawaii. Like it could be valuable for every culture. Everybody should take lessons from this. Well, can you imagine if, you know, when uh, George Floyd passed away and it was like a Hawaiian community, it would be like the community needs to get together and do Ho'oponopono. Right. And get your, you know, discussion out. Mm Mm-hmm. And then let's forgive and move on and, and figure out how we go forward. Right. Imagine that. Say, imagine, I know. Imagine, exactly. the, imagine the news. People are getting together for Ho'oponopono. I mean, wouldn't <laughs> no. that be amazing? It would be. But that's not happening. No. It would be an amazing thing. And the other thing, uh, everyone, is that Pono. Uh, I'm sure you have heard the word Pono before. Pono is uh, righteous. Do the right thing. Right. Live the right way. So ho'oponopono, it just, it, it makes perfect sense. It's a great concept. It's things that the Hawaiians have been doing for hundreds of years. Right. And it's something that the mainland should use. I totally agree. Seriously, so. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, so we have done a lot of history, a lot of research, and we're only halfway through this podcast. <laughs> so let's go ahead, let's take a breather. Let's go ahead and listen to Irukai, Molokai Slide, which obviously is... Um, the singer that Mm -hmm. had also been for Mana'o Company. And uh, we'll be back and we'll start heading into all the main gods and secondary gods of Hawaii. Well, not all. We're just going to do a couple. (laughs) We're going to be doing a lot more in in next week's podcast too. So, but uh, yeah, we have like what, five each to do. So, all right. Okay. We'll be right back. All right. Right on. But in time I think I could 
back and uh just saying one more time that this is an educational podcast so it's gonna be very long i hope we're not losing anybody yeah yeah i mean so i guess it can be you know if you guys want to learn about hawaiian culture history and the mythology of hawaii so when you come here you're more accustomed to what's going on so you appreciate the hawaiian people the kanaka maoli and your surroundings this is the type of information, and many people, many patrons have requested this. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously going to be a free podcast, one of two. And, you know, we don't want to lose anybody, obviously, because this is a deep podcast. It's deep. It's very informational. informational. It's a lot It's a process. lot to take in. Yeah, but yeah. it's important stuff. So even if you need to split it up and listen to it over a couple yeah, of days so or over whatever. a couple of days and go back and listen to it. So, you know, it's really, this is all the information right here together instead of like buying books, going online and trying to bring all this information together. It's, it'll be very difficult to do. And what's important to realize um, is that Hawaiian mythology, it's not just stories. It's very important and very embedded to this day in the Hawaiian culture. And it's Connect, yeah, it's connected to the to the, the Aina. to the Aina, the land, and the Hawaiian people. Very much so. So it's it really is important to know and understand this because you'll hear people talking about it when you come here. Yes, and you'll be like Amakuas, yeah, yeah Pele, Ho'oponopono. Pono. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna hear it ka- all the time. Kapu, Pono. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that you can imagine, and uh, Ali'i, um, all these different words, Menahuni, Mana. So. Mm-hmm. At least now you're getting accustomed to what these things were or what they meant to the Hawaiian culture and what they still mean today. Right. All right. So now we're going to get into the four main gods of Hawaii. Now, overall, if you were kind of like the way you got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God, and all that, let's say in the Christian religion, you have a kua. When you say a kua, it represents the four main gods of Hawaii. A kua is not a god. Mm-hmm. He is the god of all the gods. So when you say a kua, you're going to be talking about kane, ku, lono, kanaloa. All four of the main gods is a kua. So when one speaks of a kua, they speak of all the gods as a whole. 
The original story of Akua took place when the Earth Mother, here we go, Papa Hanau Moku and the Sky Father, Waikea, couples and gave birth to Akua. Mm, okay. Is that right? So they coupled, they got together and gave birth to Akua. Yeah. Yeah. So the light god is Kane, the sea god is Kanaloa, the war god is Ku, and the peace and agricultural god is Lono. The story is directly connected to the story of Halona, which we first spoke of at the beginning about giving of the birth of Taro or Kalo. Right, that first story. Which was the creation because the Hawaiian people were the Kalo. And today it represents that if you don't have Kalo and you don't have food, how can you build your community Mm -hmm. if you don't have food? So below the four gods of Kua, before we start getting into all that, Know that there are 40 male gods associated with the main god, Kani himself, which is crazy. We can't wow. get into all this. No way. There are 400 gods and goddesses called Kalau, mm-hmm. a group of additional gods and demigods called Keikini Akua. The spirits of Hawaii are called Nauni Hai Pili. Say that one. Can you say it? Nauni Hi Pili. Pili. Okay, see, so you got it better than me. The guardians called Na Amakua. Wow. So, yes. That's a lot. (laughs) So, although they're called Amakuas, like you were going over, Mm -hmm. the Na Amakuas are all the guardians together. But guardians, and that's kind of what Amakua is. Yeah. yeah. So, when you talk about, um, if you just say the Amakua Honu, which is the green Hawaiian sea turtle, it's singular, right? So, that's Amakua. But when you say all of them at once, you put the Na in front of it, I'm assuming. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that's probably what it represents. Kane, Kane means male. Kane is believed to have appeared from the east, and ancient Hawaiians made their front door face east as to respect and worship him. So they made their front door face a certain direction to respect him. To respect him. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They also faced east when saying their morning prayers dedicated to him. Kane can be viewed as the Hawaiian equivalent of the Christian God, Jesus, I'd assume, as he had brought forth man in his image and brings him to life. Kane was the god who was most easily approachable and very forgiving. As Kane was living on the earth with Kanaloa, he struck his digging stick into the ground so he could mix his kava with the fresh water that sprang forth from the ground. This was seen as a sexual ritual to help fruitify the earth. I think that's what it says. Now, kava, um, we haven't talked about that, but in Hawaii it's called ava, mm-hmm. which, is, excuse me, which is a, uh, a root that if you take it and you put it in with water, it's like taking a natural morphine. It's like taking a natural morphine. It's unbelievable. You say that, but it's, it's not like shit. addictive, like morphine. It's no, very different. No, no, no. Like, it's not an addictive. I think that's a bad comparison. I don't. I don't think it is. It makes your whole body numb. Okay, but it's that's not like going to hook you to heroin. No, no. It doesn't, hook <laughs> you to, it doesn't hook you into anything. But I mean, Hawaiians would take it on a daily basis after working in the taro fields. So it's very natural, and it's even offered at some luau's. Yeah, I had some um, at a luau. I've never tried it. I've never seen it offered, but it's I know. Stuff. And it's kind of um, a thing on the big island, too. Right? You can get it in many Farmers places. Farmer's markets. Yeah, they have kava bars. Right, that's they what have i They have ava or kava bars. It, kava is more represented, the word kava, to Samoa, I think, and Tahiti. And then, um, and Ava is more represented in Hawaii. But it's the same thing, yeah? It's the same thing. It's okay. kind of like um, the god of Maui really started in New Zealand. And then mm-hmm. it worked his way up to where he's an island here in Hawaii. So it's it's weird how mm-hmm. everything works. And let's say coconut 
in Polynesian language is just slightly different than like the way a Tahitian would say coconut is slightly different than the way a Hawaiian would say it, maybe by a letter or two, but it's okay. kind of represented the same way. Gotcha. So Polynesian language has just changed slightly. Just as variations, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kani was the fa- father of living creatures. Kani is the highest of the four major gods. He represents the god of procreation and was worshipped as ancestor of chiefs and commoners. Kani is the creator and gives life associated with dawn, sun, and sky. No human sacrifice or laborious rituals was needed to worship Kane. There is an ancient Hawaiian legend about the creation of people and the god Kane. It says that in the beginning there was nothing but Po, right? That's what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the darkness. Yeah, now the, the endless black chaos. Now, what can I? How, how can we represent this with, let's say, Christian religion? Po was the was really before the Big Bang. It was just blackness. Oh, that makes sense. It yeah. was just dark. It was before the sun. It's kind of like the way the Bible starts. You know. The earth was created, and then there was light, which is it's in its own doesn't make sense. But anyways, because you need to have the sun before you have the earth. But anyways, <laughs> anyway. um, yeah, anyways, <laughs> Poe is kind of like the dark sky, right? The, the darkness, endless black. Yeah. yeah. Then Connie, sensing that there was uh, separate from the uh, Poe, pulled himself free of it by an act of sheer will. Sensing Connie's presence, Lono, and then Ku also pulled themselves free of Poe. Then Connie created the light to push back Poe. Lono brought sound to the universe and Ku brought substance. Between them, this is crazy. I know. Between them, they created all the lesser gods. Then together, the three gods created the Manahuni, the lesser spirits to be their messengers and servants. Is that where they came from? That's one version. This is the story. Now, <laughs> we're, what's weird about this is they do not talk about Kanaloa which is the first, fourth highest god, which is Kanaloa, I think, is Kane's brother. And it's not mentioned, so this is very strange. Uh, Next, they created the world to be a footstool for the gods. Finally, they gathered red clay from the four corners of the world. They mixed the clay in their spittle and molded it into the shape of man. Now, this is interesting because God took a... What did he do? He, He took from the earth and he created Adam and Eve. And then he took a rib from Adam to create Eve. So it's just interesting how so it's kind of these stories. Creation, yeah. and, and mind you, these stories were done and created long before the Christians came to Hawaii. Mm. So isn't that... It is interesting. What is going on here? So they kind of had their own version. <laughs> yes. Like, is it like everybody has their own versions? Yeah. And this... And, 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 and this... They didn't know anything about the Christian God at this time. Right, of course. It's just so yeah. crazy. Um, the, then Connie took a special magical white clay and formed it into a head. Then the three gods breathed life into the statue and created the first man. The first man was created in the image of Connie, just like in the image of God. Wow. So it's just weird. It is weird. I don't, ha- I don't have any understanding of how this worked out like this. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Okay, now we're going to go ahead and talk about Ku. Now, a lot of people see Ku as the god of war right uh it means rising upright ku mm-hmm. ku was a god that appeared before kane and it is said that hawaiians still pray to ku as opposed to kane even though kane is viewed as the ultimate god of the hawaiians ku may be known as the god of war but he was much more ku was the god of the fish and fishermen today kanaka maoli still pray to ku to have a great catch ku is seen as the male half of the pair of ku and hina Ku represents the east, the right hand, and the sunrise, while sister wife Hina represents the west, the left hand, and the sunset. 
Often Hawaiians would seek their coup assistance with prayers to help them become pregnant or guidance in childcare. See, so Hiku is way more than the god of war. Ku and Hina was the son of Hiku, who has his own story involving his marriage to Gavelu. Okay. And I'm stuck on the sister wife Hina. I know. <laughs> so I don't want to, you know, talk about that too much because. We I, should talk about it in the next one. Yeah, but I, I think I have. When I talk about Hina, because I'm going to go over Hina. Yeah. Um, a different husband. Yeah, see, I don't know. <laughs> so a lot of the, many of the stories, they were written or told many times, and some people have different interpretations of exactly what went down. Because you have to remember the difference between, let's say, Christianity and all these other religions is those religions were written down. The Hawaiian culture and the Hawaiian stories were never written down. They were told to the community and told to the villages through melee, through hula, mm-hmm. through the dance and through yes. the song. So there was no written language at the time There's before. No book. <laughs> yeah, before Hawaii was discovered. So all these stories were passed down generation to generation. And of course, a little bit can get distorted right. and changed. There's a lot of variations. But of it's all not intentioned. There's yeah, no intention yeah. for that to happen because if you were to take a story and change it, that is against your ancestors. You cannot do that. Right. So you have to get the story as close as what it was, or, you know, it's shameful. Think about when you were little and you used to like line up and play oh, a telephone yeah. game where somebody whispers a word and you pass it down. Yeah. And then at the end of the line, you uh, that person says what they heard and it was totally different than yeah. what the word was. Like that's what happened. Yeah, it's like it saying, just gets a little distorted yeah. as it gets passed down. Yeah, through. we uh, the Hawaiians don't do a story like you know I caught a six inch fish and then it was a, a it was a foot and a half. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Oh, I caught a two. I caught a five foot fish, but it was like five inches. It's not an yeah, exaggeration. No, 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 it just it's not gets a little changed. Yeah, Ku and Hina had a son named Hiku, who has his own story involving his marriage with Kavelu, the daughter of Olopana, who was a chief on the island of Oahu. Ku is considered divine and mortal, and ate human corpses crawling with worms. Okay. This gave Ku a lesser-known chilling name, Ku Vahailu, which means maggot-mouthed. Ugh. While flesh and blood on earth, he was a chief known as Milu because of the association between him and corpses. Hawaiians said a pulu ana'ana to him, which was a prayer of a person of death. Wow. Maybe that's connected to the whole God of War and all that stuff. But I didn't know he would eat. Corpses? Corpses. Yeah, that's crazy. Interesting stuff. Who is best known as being the God of War and Prosperity. Human sacrifices were made to Ku, unlike any other god. Hmm. He is known as the God of War. Ku Ka'ili Moku was the guardian of Kamehameha I, who created statues of him at Holua Loa Bay in his residence at Kama Kahonu. He was called the god of <laughs> Kukai Moku, meaning snatcher of the islands. Guys, I'm doing the best I can. It's pretty good. It's yeah, pretty good. Kamehameha is the reason why he is called that since he prayed to Ku before he set out to conquer each island in battle. Wow. So, yes, yeah, so King Kamehameha's god that he worshipped was Ku. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why he won. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Okay, now we're going to move over to Lono. Lono is the god of peace, rain, agriculture, harvest, music, and fertility. 
The legend of Lono says that Lono wanted to find a wife on Earth, so he sent his two brothers to find one for him. They finally found a beautiful woman in Waipio Valley named Kaikilani, surrounded by birds. Lono presented himself to her by sliding down a rainbow and she became his wife and also a goddess. Not going to lie, that would work for me. Now that sounds very romantic. If somebody slides down a rainbow for me, I, uh, yeah. Damn. <laughs> Game over. It's, it sounds absolutely <laughs> wonderful, doesn't it? It sounds like a storybook ending. Uh, However, after they became man and wife, a chief on earth had sexual relations with her. Oh. To which Lono finds out and beats her to death. <gasps> oh no. So, if a guy goes down a rainbow for you, you just don't know how it's going to end. <laughs> Shit. Before she passes, she swears her love to Lono. And after her death, he creates and dedicates the Makahiki Games in her memory. He then builds an eccentric, eccentric canoe that no mortal has ever seen the likes of before and sets sail solo, but promises the Hawaiians... He will return one day. Oh, clearly, really clearly, he's he knows what he did. He needs to move. He needs to get out of there. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, uh, knows that he made a mistake and uh, he leaves Hawaii. In Lono's honor, the great annual festival of Makahiki was held. During these months, from October through February, war and work was kapu. Oh. It was a jolly festival to um, compete in strength and strategy games. That's what they did. So nobody could kill each other during these months every year. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That's crazy. But I think the whole world needs that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I now that's this is famous. This is this is, goes down. And uh, there's a very famous story that no one even knows about, and it's in relation to what recently happened with uh, Captain Cook. So we're going to talk about that mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. So Captain Cook first came to Hawaii on January 18th, 1778, during the time of Makahiki. And it was being observed when Captain Cook came to the islands. This f the, the festival is held every winter in Lono's honor. During this time, Lono was believed to be circumnavigating the islands and put strict kapoos in place, forbidden activities, no war, and no work. It was the only time for festive celebration and peace. Captain Cook and his crew got lucky. They just happened to come to Hawaii when they were at a time of peace. The Hawaiians were at so a time of peace. So that's why they accepted him and didn't kill him the first time. <laughs> Interesting. That, this is what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it makes sense, though. It could be. It makes sense. In Lono's honor, they welcomed Cook and his crew with open arms and adorned them with gifts, offerings, and food during Makahiki. After leaving Hawaii, Captain Cook and his crew faced extreme weather conditions which caused a mast on the ship, uh, the resolution, to break, forcing them to return to the Hawaiian Islands. But this time, it was not during the festival of Makahiki, and they were no longer welcomed with open arms. The Hawaiians had now been in the season of Ku, which was a time of battle and war, under the worship and rituals of the god of war. The Hawaiians swiftly grew sour with Cook and his crew. The Hawaiians even stole Cook's life uh, boats for themselves. This time they had not been in the giving mood, but the taking mood. At this point, Cook attempted to take his boats back and tried and take the chief as well, Kalani Opu'u, but Cook and his small crew had been quickly overwhelmed by native Hawaiians and killed in a fight. Wow. Although the Hawaiians did not intend to kill Cook, once he threatened the chief, it became war, and because it was a time of war, death followed. 
So that's how Damn. it all that's how it all went down. <laughs> so that's why it wasn't Makahiki. <laughs> <laughs> However, in a sign of respect, the chief and his people gave Captain Cook a proper ceremony by cooking his body and removing his bones from his flesh. How kind. That is a proper ceremony. Because Hawaiians believed the power of one spirit, mana, was in the bones, they kept some and gave the rest of the captain's crew for burial. This is what started the rumor across England that the Hawaiians had been savages and cannibals when this wasn't true. To this day, it is assumed that the hospitality shown toward Cook and crew as foreigners during their first visit to Hawaii was only due to the fact that the Hawaiians were being loyal toward the god Lono during the Makahiki time of peace. I never heard that before. Isn't That's that crazy? That's an interesting take on it uh, all. That is crazy. So now you have a little background on what happened with Cook and why he was welcomed and then wasn't welcomed. Right. And it, it didn't help anything that he tried to hold the chief hostage. Of course. That probably put it over the top. So I yeah. assume that he was just clobbed to death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Kanaloa. Kanaloa is Kane's... Op- okay, here we go. Kanaloa is Kane's opposite brother. And the god of the sea, but also specifically the squid god, also called the evil-smelling squid, which you can smell coming. You can smell his foul stench, and when you do, it is unsettling evil that is felt. Oh, wow. Now, this is the interesting thing. When I first learned about all the gods, I always assumed Ku was evil, and he was the god of war. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the gods were good. But it's actually, out of all the gods, which you probably got nobody knows... Kanaloa is the problem. Sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. Kanaloa is viewed as the Hawaiian's equivalent of the Christian Lucifer. Oh. Kanaloa is the leader of the spirits below. They were separated from heaven and sent to the earthly realm. They rebelled because they weren't allowed to drink ava like Kane. However, in the rebellion, they were defeated and sent down to the underworld, where Kanaloa became ruler of the dead. This sounds like Hades. This is like so this is like Lucifer in Hades. Yeah. Yeah. How similar. Kanaloa is the god of the underworld, the teacher of magic, and ruler of the ocean. Complementary powers and close companion of Kane. In ancient Hawaii, Kanaloa is represented by the squid or octopus and is also associated with Kane. He is also the name of the extinct volcano in Hawaii. In many ancient legends of chance, Kane and Kanaloa are two powers working together. Being the god of the underworld, Kanaloa legends say that he was first part of a spirit army that tried to overthrow the gods. In his defeat to rule, he and his spirit army had been punished and thrown down into the underworld. Wow. That's a crazy one. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I think he's my favorite. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> I don't know about the foul stench. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, those is essentially Akua and the four main gods. Uh, it is also said that Kane, Lono, and Ku created the Menahuni. And what we're going to be doing is next we're going to be discussing uh, in next week's part two, we're going to be talking about the Menahuni and the mythology behind them. But we're actually going to bring together that, although there's mythology about the Menahuni, they also were actually real. And we'll get into what they were because most people today call them Menahuni, but they were actually called Manahuni. Right. By the Tahitians. The Tahitians, when they came here, they had a battle, the Manahuni, which were little in stature. So they were small spirits. So that's very interesting, too. Mana is meaning spirits. Uh, Next week, we're also going to talk about the night marchers, the spiritual warriors of those lost in battle. 
um, they're still my, my marchers out there today. Uh, also, the cast system from Ali'i all the way to Kahuna to Maka Aina Ana. These words are insane, um, which consists of Malahini, Kama Aina, Kahuna, Kahuna Nui, Ali'i, Ali'i Nui, and Ali'i Mo'i. Oh boy. Oh my god. This is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> and we'll also discuss the Apua'a uh, land divisions. These are sustainable off-grid communities. And what's crazy about this is I've uh, researched you know, the Apua'as for a while because this is the way I want to build my community on the Big Island. Wow. It's centered around these land divisions and sustainable communities. That's cool. So you're modeling off of I'm Hawaiian modeling, history. Yeah. So the correct, real, perfect way to say it is Ahu. Pua'a. That's cool. But that's a land division. Very cool. Okay, so now we're going to go ahead and we're going to finally get to our next break, and we'll be right back. All right. All right. Hawaii is one of the most beautiful places on Earth, and 808 Cleanup intends on keeping it that way. The 501c3 environmental nonprofit's main mission is restoring Hawaii's natural beauty for its local community and visitors. 808 Cleanup empowers volunteers to conduct decentralized cleanups through the Adopt-A-Site campaign, responding to littering and vandalism of Hawaii's natural spaces, tagging and graffiti removal, saving Hawaii's indigenous ecosystem, and building sustainable solutions with local communities and nonprofit partners. If you love Hawaii and wish for its beauty to remain for generations to come, consider donating to a great cause and supporting 808 Cleanup's mission to keep Hawaii clean from Mauka to Makai at 808cleanups.org. Into the secondary gods, which are called kupua. 
Starting with Pele, I think everybody might do you think know. This is a, do you think this is a, like a super long history lesson? I mean, yeah. I feel like I've been in class all day. <laughs> Just so you guys know. I know. <laughs> this is the, the, the we're done after this. It's an exhausting one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what next week brings. Oh, boy. So I'm going to start with Pele, which I'm sure everybody's okay, heard good. of. Here we go. I'm excited yeah, about this. This is a fun one. Okay. Pele. Let's, let's hear it. In Hawaiian religion, Pele is a goddess of volcanoes and fire and the creator of the Hawaiian Islands. Often referred to as Madame Pele or Tutu Pele as a sign of respect, she is a well-known deity within the Hawaiian mythology and is notable for her contemporary presence as a cultural influence as a lasting figure in all of Hawaii. Um, she's very respected even today. Absolutely. Although there's very differing stories about her, like we said with the variations um, among different stories you'll hear, you'll really find that with her. It's commonly said that she was born from the female spirit named Homea. This spirit descended from Papa, or Mother Earth, and Wakea, Sky Father, both descendants of the supreme beings. And you had mentioned them earlier. Pele is also known as she who shapes the sacred land. In addition to being recognized as the goddess of volcanoes, Pele is also known for her power, passion, jealousy, and capriciousness. Mm. Legend says that Pele herself journeyed on her canoe from the island of Tahiti to Hawaii. When going through her journeys, it was said that she tried to create her fires on different islands, but her sister, Namaka, was chasing her, wanting to put an end to her. In the end... No, and I was going to say, because I think her sister has something to do with water. Mm. I'm just saying. We'll, have to, we'll get to that yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, I do have something about that, yeah. I think. In the end, the two sisters fought each other and Pele was killed. Really? With this happening, her body was destroyed, but her spirit lives in Hale Ma Uma'u on Kilauea. Yeah, that's the... Um, Hale Ma Uma'u. That's a crater. On Kilauea. Yeah. Okay, so on Big Island. Mm-hmm. They say her body is the lava and steam that comes from the volcano. Mm -hmm. She can also change form, appearing as a white dog, old woman, or beautiful young woman. White dog? I know, I've never heard that one. I thought it was like a woman in a white dress or something. That's one of them. That's the beautiful young woman. Okay, interesting. So now, her home is believed to be the fire pit called Hale Ma Uma'u at the summit called Dara of Kilauea, one of the Earth's most active volcanoes. But her domain includes all volcanic activity on the big island of Hawaii and all islands in general. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hawaiians believe that the volcano of Kilauea is actually inhabited by a family of fire gods, but it's led by Pele, who is the one who governs the activities of the lava flow. Hmm. In addition to her role as goddess of fire and her strong association with volcanoes, Pele is also sometimes regarded as goddess of the hula. She's an important figure in the history of hula because her sister Hiiaka, who is believed to be the first person to possibly create and dance hula. Huh. As a result of Pele's connection to hula, there's also been many hula dances and chants that are dedicated to her and her family. The hula being dedicated to Pele is often performed in a way that represents her intense personality and the movement of volcanoes. Mm-hmm. However, there's also a much more popular goddess of hula that I'll discuss in a little bit. Okay. 
There are many legends about Pele's lovers and rivals. Most of the lovers she took were not lucky enough to escape their lives <laughs> when she hurled molten lava at them, trapping them in <laughs> pillars of rock that can be found in the volcanic fields to this day. She also seduced others' lovers, as well as mortals. The one lover who proved to be a match for Pele was Kamapu'a'a, who we're going to talk about more next, next week. week. Yeah. But he was a demigod who hid the bristles that grew down his back by wearing a cape. He was a pig god. Mm. He could also appear as a plant or as various types of fish. Trees, every, lots of things. Yeah. yeah. He and Pele were at odds from the very beginning. She covered the land with barren lava, and he brought floods of rain to extinguish her fires and called the wild boars to dig up the land, softening it so the seeds could grow. Perfect. They remained at odds, <laughs> yet then they would lovingly ravish each other. <laughs> <laughs> until a child was born and he left. Huh. They agreed that Pele will take the land districts where lava flows, which is the south. Kamapua'a takes the windward side, which has the most rain. This is why you cannot bring pork over the poly. It's kapu because of their agreement. <laughs> that's awesome. Good stuff, right? And that still goes today. It does. Yeah, yeah. Pele's greatest rival was Poliahu, goddess of snow-capped mountains, oh. who, like Pele, was also very beautiful. We could to see a movie about all this stuff. I know, Wouldn't right? that be sick? I would Why love is there it. so many Greek mythology stories and movies, and yet we haven't seen a Hawaiian mythology movie? That would be amazing it would be to incredible. have all these, like, how about comic books? How about all these powerful gods and characters fighting it out for Hawaii? I totally oh agree. Oh, my God. Let's do it. Yeah. Disney, come on. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Poliahu was also very beautiful, like Pele. And she also seduced handsome mortal chiefs. <laughs> mm, interesting. <laughs> so, Pele became very jealous after she had a fling with a young Maui chief named Aiwohikupua. Damn. While he was traveling to the big island to court a mortal chiefess, Laie, paddling along the Hana coast, Iwohi Kupua saw Pele in human form as a beauty named Hina Ika Malama riding the surf, and he had an affair with her. <laughs> Then he went to the big island where Poliahu seduced him. That's the rival. Mm. He convinced the goddess to release him from his promise to his first love, and he went back to Kauai with the snow goddess. Pele, still as Hinai Kamalama, chased after them, eventually winning him back. But Poliahu was so vindictive, she blasted the lovers with cold and heat until they separated. And then Aiwohi Kupua was left with no <laughs> lover at all. <laughs> These stories are insane, and the words are even, <laughs> even more ridiculous. I said his name right like four times before I messed it up, so no, I'm going to go mean, with it. No, but listen, not only are we telling these fantastical, <laughs> mythical stories, we have to put all these Hawaiian words uh, because it's disrespectful not to. I know. So we have to do our best to get these right, and they're not easy at all. Like You guys should see how these <laughs> names are written out. They're not easy to pronounce. And I think I'm saying it wrong. I think it's Iwohi, not Iwohi. Iwohi Kupua. It might be. It's, yeah. And that's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. All right, right on. To this day, tales of Pele's power and peculiarities continue. People still today talk about sightings of Pele, including drivers who pick up an old woman or a beautiful woman dressed in all white, accompanied by a little dog sometimes, especially on roads in Kilauea National Park. 
only to look in the mirror and find in the back seat and find it empty. See, this is the stories that you also get up uh, when you're going over the, the poly. poly. Same and thing. then, and then also, there's been word that when you go from the far southeast over um, Makapuu, that you run into Pele too, doing hmm. in, in her white dress and doing the little uh, hey, pick me up type. Yeah, of sometimes deal. she wants to be picked up, and yeah. if you don't pick her up, if you don't pick her up, bad things happen. Bad things so happen. you have to pull over and stop. And even though you look back. She'll just nope. disappear. Yeah, it's not there, but she wants to know that you're willing to pull over for her. Yeah. That's crazy. So also, Pele's face has mysteriously appeared in photographs of fiery er- eruptions. Yes. Have you heard that? Well, I've seen pictures of her uh, when that actual um, cylinder cone that she's still in that you've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. When lava has spurted up, one of these amazing pictures show her that she is the shape of the lava. She's doing hula. Oh, wow. In the shape of the lava. It's amazing. Like, you can't miss it. You see her. You see her shape as if she's like a hula girl. And she's like, that's that's Pele. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Someone caught that amazing picture. Most people who live in the islands, regardless of their religion, speak respectfully of Pele. Oh, yeah. After all, she has destroyed more than 100 (laughs) structures on the big island since 1983 and has added more than 70 acres of land to the island's southeastern coastline. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty powerful. Yeah. So that's all I included for Pele. There's so many stories about her if you're interested in learning more. Yeah. I couldn't possibly include them all. Yeah, I mean, if you guys don't know about Pele's chair, which is at at Makapu'u, which is at Makapu'u Ridge, you know, you can hike the Makapu'u Lighthouse, but if you go down to the uh, beach below, which Alan is Allen Davis, Davis uh, which it's called Allen Davis because it used to be an old farm and they were run by ranchers and the, and the, the guy's name was Allen Davis. Uh, you'll see Pele's chair. It's a giant throne and it's looking out toward the other islands. And that was the last spot that she was spotted on uh, Oahu before she went and created the other islands. And you got to understand that, the, see, it's the hot spots, right? So whichever, she's she's alive and well on whatever island is a hot spot. Right now, she's on the big island. Right. Yeah, so that's Pele's chair. It's a beautiful shaped lava rock that looks just like a throne. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, yeah. All right, so now we're going to move on to Hina, goddess of the moon. Hina is a name assigned to, yeah, this is a little bit confusing, just to back up. Yeah, you're gonna because you're going to hear Hina story, a lot. Yeah, we've had heard Hina, right? Because she's like the, the the mother of But here's why I all think these it's confusing. Gods. Because yeah. Hina means a lot more than just this one goddess. See, yeah, see that. Okay, I so gotcha. So we're going to focus on goddess of the moon, but first I'm going to explain Hina a little bit. Okay. So Hina is a name assigned to a number of Polynesian deities. Uh, the name Hina usually relates to a powerful female force, typically a goddess or queen, but it's not, necessar- not necessarily specific to her. Right. Um, but some sort of a queen or somebody who has the sovereignty over a specific entity. Mm-hmm. However, in Hawaiian mythology, the name is usually paired with words which explain or identify the goddess and her power, such as Hina Puka Ia, which is Hina gathering seafood, is a literal translation. Mm. And then you have the goddess of fishermen and Hina Opu Halakoa, who gave birth to all reef life. So depending on what words you add to Hina, yeah. it kind of can represent a different goddess. Damn. Isn't that confusing? Is it different versions of her? Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. I think there's just a lot of them. It can get confusing. So the most famous pairing is Hina Ika Malama, meaning Hina in the moon, and that's the one we're going to talk about today. Okay. Okay. So, like I said, different stories represent different manifestations of Hina, including the moon goddess. She is the wife of 
Akalana, and known as the goddess of the moon. Mahina, the Hawaiian word for moon, is derived from the goddess's name. In most cultures, the moon has feminine implications. Hina represents strength and standing for what you believe in. She's also been referred to as goddess of the sea. Hina is the female generating force in Hawaiian cosmology and one of the oldest goddesses in Hawaii. As creatix, which means a woman who is deeply connected to herself as mm. a woman and the feminine source of creative power, Hina is paired with the god Ku, who you talked about, yeah, the male yeah. generating force. Right. So there you go. That's their connection. Yeah, the main god's connection. Okay. Hina is best known as the mother of Hawaiian hero Maui, the trickster. Uh-huh. However, she also takes on the goddess of corals, and she's also known for being the mother of pig god Kamapu'a, who Damn, again we'll talk connected. about later. So they're brothers, interestingly. So Kamapu'a and uh, Maui, Maui the are brothers. brothers, and they're both tricksters. Isn't that interesting? It is so interesting. Wow. The legendary birth of Hina's son Maui is described as a supernatural conception after Hina wore a red loincloth she found on the ocean shore. Huh. After birth, Hina wrapped locks of her hair around her infant son and set him on a bed of limu kala, which is a type of mm-hmm. seaweed. Um, it was supported by jellyfish in the sea. <laughs> so crazy, man. <laughs> I know. It seems like I want to see this stuff in a movie. I want to watch it, too. It'd be oh, my great. God. <laughs> I mean, really go all out. Just the way it's written, man. I That'd know. be sick. <laughs> so Maui then traveled to Kua'i Halani, where he acquired his famous powers. Legend says when he returned, Maui performed incredible acts such as slowing the sun to make the days longer for Hina's work. The most common legend regarding how she became the goddess of the moon claims she worked creating bark cloth, got tired of not being appreciated, packed up her gourd, got on a rainbow, and headed for the sun against the wishes of her husband. This is awesome. Finding the sun too hot, she came back down. I hope so. (laughs) The next night, there was a full moon, so Hina decided to climb to the moon in hopes of finding it a more comfortable place to live. Yeah, that'd be a better spot, maybe. It'd be (laughs) cold, though. It's cold on the moon. Well, she was happy. (laughs) But her husband was so furious, so they fought. Hina claimed her desire was to go live with the moon with a new husband, and she managed to escape. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. The worship of Hina marks a long tradition of the Hawaiian people across multiple islands. Archaeologists have discovered the remnants of a shrine or heiau dedicated to Hina in Kalapapa National Historical Park in Molokai. Cool stuff. Yeah, that is so cool. So that wraps up Hina. Wow. And now we'll move on to Maui, the demigod. Yes. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Get some stories about Maui. Yeah, and you can add to this one. Okay, Jump in whenever. Right on. Maui was the youngest of four sons of Akalana, his father, and Hina, his mother. Maui Akalana was born a demigod and a kupua. A demigod was part human being and god. Kupua was a demigod that took the form of either man or elements of nature, See? usually an animal. So that's just to reinforce a lot of what you said. Yeah, that's his, his, so his body is covered in tattoos of all these different creatures and animals, and he could literally become any of his tattoos. So what do you mean? Explain that. Like, it was, that was his... That he would was just touch some, it. He, he would just, like, touch it, or he would think of it. Any tattoo, if he has a tattoo of a shark on himself, tattoo of a fish, 
a dog, any, anything that you can imagine, any tattoo, an owl, and it's a lot of them, a lot of them, he really essentially had the powers of the Amakuas. Cool. So any Amakua tattoo he had, he could become those things. So he could just change shape. Change shape. He was a ship. Yeah, he was a uh, shapeshifter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. So Maui and all his brothers were sons to a divine father and mother. But get this, only Maui was granted the miraculous powers. Huh. So as a result, characterized as a supernatural being and a trickster. He was, again, he was a demigod, um, but he found pleasure in behaving outside of societal expectations. Mm -hmm. He deliberately deceived other humans Mm -hmm. and mythical gods throughout his pranks. (laughs) He was a prankster for sure. I mean, the the representation of him in Moana is perfect. Uh, Yeah. That was Maui. If you haven't seen Moana, go watch it and you'll understand. The motives are often seen as childish, arrogant, and mean. Yep, that's Moana. (laughs) But he's also known to be an ancient chief, so he Mm -hmm. was respected. Mm -hmm. Maui's tactics and motives were mischievous and deliberate. However, some of his ploys had accidental consequences. For example, his behaviors led to the birth of Polynesia. (laughs) (laughs) Although some say that it was the birth of the Hawaiian Islands specifically, um, and its yeah. culture, so that's again a variation. Yeah, because Ma- like read. we was like I think I don't know if we mentioned it, but I think we did. But like Maui was a major god in Lower Polynesia, and it worked his way up to Hawaii. And I don't know if you're going to talk about it or not, but you know, like Maui, the island of Maui. I didn't he, include much about the okay. So there. island, so the island of Maui, and he was like the god of obviously his own island mm-hmm. and then he liked Kauai and he tried to pull islands together. <laughs> Do we talk about that at all? We have, about the hook? Yeah, we have the hook. Okay, let's get into that. Go ahead. I mean, just keep going. We'll get, yeah. we'll get there. Some of Maui's mischievous stories include stealing fire for humans from the underworld, mm. fishing up islands with his magical hook, and capturing the sun to lengthen the days. Yes. So Maui is credited with the creation of the Hawaiian Islands or possibly maybe all of Polynesia. So Maui is said to be a bad fisherman. His brothers would mock him for not catching any fish, and then they wouldn't invite him to go out fishing with them. So Maui would retaliate through his tricks against them. One day, his brothers went out fishing but would not let Maui join them on the canoe, which really annoyed Maui. They came back without having caught anything. So Maui told them that had he gone with them, they would have caught many more fish. <laughs> Reluctantly, his brothers took him out on their next fishing trip. They still weren't catching anything. So they asked Maui where all the good fish were. Maui then threw his magical hook, baited with ally birds, <laughs> sacred to his mother Hina, into the ocean. Maui felt a mighty tug. Thinking he caught a huge fish, he began to reel in his catch. For two days, Maui placed enormous strength on reeling. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) To ensure a firm fishing line, he demanded that his brothers paddle harder and faster. He pushed them to focus forward. Without realizing, the ocean floor rose behind them. (laughs) He he hooked the ocean floor? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The floor revealed itself with peaks and valleys. Out of exhaustion and curiosity, a brother looked backwards, causing the line to slack and break. And then the land, with its many peaks and valleys, stopped rising, so it stayed where it was. Is that the Hawaiian Islands? The exposed land formed the new island. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Pretty Son cool. Son of a gun. Now, it's funny thing, because during that time when he was doing that, is that connected to the Kauai and Maui story? That he wanted to pull Maui closer to Kauai? And what happened... I think it is. Okay, and what what happened was is the line broke. It's very similar to the story you're talking about, and the line broke, 
and the hook snapped back and landed in Oahu at Ka'au Crater. So Ka'au Crater oh, right. is the crater created by Maui's fishing hook. And that's an amazing hike that you can do on Oahu. Right. So I think the point of this is a lot of his um, creations were accidental. <laughs> yeah, is, uh, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. He's a goofball. He was a goofball. He was a <laughs> trickster. He was really just trying to like... But it is weird, though, yep. that he's got the magical fishing hook, supposedly known for fishing, and he can't catch any fish. He was a horrible fisherman. I didn't never knew he was a horrible. Yeah. I didn't know he was a horrible fisherman. <laughs> oh, that's crazy! I didn't it know is. It's it. funny. Oh, that's so funny. But he can. But he can take in the Hawaiian Islands and bring them above <laughs> the right. water line. That's amazing. Pretty cool stuff. Oh, this is, these stories are crazy. I know. I really enjoy them. <laughs> this is fun to research. It is. All right. So, anything else on Maui before? I no, move I into? think that's it. Okay. I just love Maui. Yeah, he's yeah, pretty cool. I always loved him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so next we have Laka. Is it Laka? Laka. Or Laka? Laka. I don't know. Let's just go with Laka. Okay. The goddess of Hula. So the name Laka means gentle and to attract. She's often accredited with creating Hula on the island of Molokai, though some mythology suggests that Hiiaka, the sister of Pele, which I actually mentioned earlier, yeah. the volcano goddess created the Hula as a way to entertain Pele. So again, that's a slight yeah, conflict. Yeah, it's a conflict. Yeah, it's but regardless... Yeah, and some of the stories also suggest that Laka was Pele's sister, while others suggest that Laka was actually the daughter of Kapo, who was sister to Pele. So again, we don't know, but regardless... There's 400 gods and goddesses, so it's hard to keep track when all of it is just storytelling. Right, told by word of mouth. Yeah. But regardless of who created the dance, Laka is considered the goddess of Hula and worshipped as such. Okay. There's an ancient heiau dedicated to her in the city of Hyena on the island of Kauai. The hula is far more than a simple dance. It's a complex way of telling stories with fluid movements and melee, which is the chanting you've been listening to or yeah. singing. The hula was used by ancient Hawaiians as a way to record their history and pass it along to future generations, which, again, we've been saying. Right. In addition to being the goddess of hula, Laka is also known as the goddess of forest and thought of as the light that nourishes plant life. Hmm. She is reproductive energy, which is said to help the forest grow and thrive. It is said that Laka rules over all vegetation with plants because many of them are very sacred to her. Many of the plants have their leaves and flowers used in laymaking and are then used in traditional hula dances. Some are also used to embellish an altar this is kind of cool too. So after the dance is finished, the altar is taken apart and every leaf is taken to the ocean and released as a way to honor Laka. That's awesome. Yeah, Love I like it. that. Yeah. Okay, we have one more to go. We are down to the last one. Last one, guys. This you is made it. A three hour podcast. If you are still with us, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you guys have to understand this is very educational and very historic, and it can be, I don't know, what's the right word for it? Like, It's important. It's though. very important. We, we, we keep saying that maybe, maybe many people will find this super interesting. If I find it interesting because I love the Hawaiian culture. If you love the Hawaiian culture, you're going to be you really interested in this, even if it takes you a while to get through it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. It's just a lot. Yeah. So let's get to the next one, and we'll go All from right, there. Last but not okay. least, we, we have Kuula, god of fishermen. All right. Fishing has always been an important part of the Hawaiian culture, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, many make regular offerings to Kuula, the god of fishermen, mm -hmm. right? And you yep, talked about yep. him earlier. So he lived with his wife, Hina, and their son, Hana, on the island of Maui. 
On the edge of the sea, he walled off an area and kept all kinds of fish in what was thought to be the very first fish pond. Oh, Pretty cool. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Nearby, he made offerings to a small shrine. And then because of this, reverence was always, he was always able to catch the fish he needed. Huh. So it was like the payoff for the yeah, shrine. Yeah, yeah. Fish were said to just come to his hook, his net, or his basket. <laughs> I want to be eaten! <laughs> as he prayed for success in his fishing, <laughs> even when friends and neighbors had no luck. Could you imagine? He just throws his fishing hook just, in the water they and just they kinda, Hey, come on, guys! <laughs> eat me! Eat me! <laughs> he was always generous to share his catch with those whose fishing skills were not as good. Like Maui. There you go. (laughs) Fishing is an important part of a sustainable community. And so he knew that it was important to be generous and to share, but also to conserve his catch in the fish fish ponds. Hmm. He was always careful to make an offering of the first fish caught to the koa, the fishing shrine. Hmm. So that's it. That was a short one and a a simple one. one, But basically it's just about, you know, how he created the first fish ponds and the fish would come into him. Yeah. um, Yeah. There's many fish ponds today. I mean, the one at Kayona, you know, that was a fish and Honu pond. And then you go over to uh, Kahana Bay. There's places on every single island that have these amazing fish ponds. So he's the creator of them. Mm -hmm. Just God. So when you think of fish ponds, think of him. Pretty cool. All right. So that's going to end this podcast, all three hours of it. (laughs) I I really can't even talk anymore. I know. Oh, my God. We just wanted to thank all the patrons continuing to support us. We really appreciate it. That's how we're able to go ahead and research and spend days on end putting all this together for you guys. And uh, hopefully it's really appreciated. Um, Hope so. Yeah, yeah. So next week we're going to go ahead and do part two of mythology oh boy we gotta get ready for that one i actually <laughs> think this is so fun to learn but it's i hope others to do too i hope they yeah i really do i really hope so uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna end this podcast today with a very deep and emotional song by manao company it's going to be he will carry you and i'm sure god is carrying you to heaven now mm. kalana you know so okay we're gonna end this with a big shoot so you want to say anything oh yeah i was just gonna say also be sure to check out other albums of his on itunes especially the one you mentioned the 20 years because that has some really good songs that i just absolutely love that we didn't mention i really love that love that song um the one i love you do you know that song yep yep yeah. Love that song. Yeah, and also, then Drop Baby Drop. Drop Baby yeah. Drop. It's just really good stuff. Oh, totally. So. so check it out, guys. Okay, so we're going to end it with that song, and we'll see you all next week. All right. All right. Shoot. Shoot. Aloha. Aloha. Be safe out there. <laughs> it's a crazy world. I know. Get Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah. Right on. no problem to be God cannot solve it There is no mountain too tall He cannot move it There is no storm too dark God cannot calm Soothe If he carried the
Ah uh-huh. 